get yourself some of this. The CBS Sports MMA Podcast is back. And fellas, it's back with a bang. Did I say fellas because I assume we don't have female listeners? I mean, it's possible. It's possible out there. But the Brian Campbell is definitely the voice that you hear coming back at it after a pretty wild weekend of mixed martial arts and back ready to set the stage ahead of Saturday's UFC 231 card in Toronto. All the news, all the reactions, all the performance-enhancing audio that you can handle. I whoop that ass. What can I say? That, that is that is true. That is what I do, folks. You know what night it is? You know what night it is right now? Break out the red panties. We're rich, baby. We are, baby. This pod is back, and so is my co-host, CBS Sports writer, editor, a very wise man, Brandon Wise, joining me this week to chop this crap up. Wise, how is it, brother? I am very feel, Brian. Oh, oh, hey. Hey, Usak. You know Tyson Fury pronounces it Usak? I love that. <laughs> of course he does. Landfill, yeah. We're gonna be singing American Pie pretty soon, so. That is, that is very true. I was at that press conference. Wilder Fury over the weekend, guys, you know, I covered it here for CBS Sports and Tyson Fury at that press conference. Breaking out into American Pie, getting everyone to sing like we were at some collective, like, you know, kumbaya, and then mic drop, he's out of here. It was, it was a classic moment in combat sports history. B. Yeah, you told me you're, it's a night you'll never forget. Never forget it. How did you score that, by the way? Let's start off with a little box. How'd you score that? Why are you gonna do this to me? I you told I told you I can't score boxing, and you want me to give you a score for that fight. I thought that Fury won, but I can see how it ended up as a judge's draw. No, you didn't. Okay, but okay, but can you justify people trying to give Deontay Wilder like five rounds? Like this isn't a Deontay Wilder thing. It's a boxing scoring thing, brother. Yeah, I don't know. I I thought that Wilder just wasn't able to land as much as he thought he did or that the judges thought he did outside of the two knockdowns that he scored. So that was how I thought about it. All right. All right, dude. Thank you for joining us, man. Yeah. I love you. Wow. 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 That's a start. Start. Hey, anybody else out there that loves this show, loves hearing our voices, do us a solid. Spread the love forward. Go out on Apple, iTunes, or wherever the heck you consume fine audio and give us that five-star review. Anderson Silva, you absolutely suck. That could be true depending on where you stand, but this show doesn't, so get out and spread that love. Be wise. Last week we had some good chats with the likes of UFC Welterweights, Colby Covington and Kamaru Usman. Certainly both those names will be in the news this week. We're going to chat about them in a second, but we do want to tease this episode. We got two more fine chats as you hit the South Florida gyms to collect Joanna Young Jacek. And Nina Ansarov both return this Saturday at UFC 231. Looking forward to hear what these chicks have to say. Is that that's offensive to say that in 2018, right? Why is that offensive? Yeah, chick, right? Chick is a good word, right? Yeah, it's fine. All right, all right. I'm fired up, man. You've been on the scene. You've been busy. What are you, a member of ATT? You lifting weights there now? What are you doing? I'm trying to like sneakily get my way in with. The, the ownership there to see if I can get a membership on the low low. So yes, yes, yes. Like a like a you know you're you're doing research for your job. You know, can I just need to? That's all. It is. That's all. It is. It's just quote unquote research. You should go in there and roll with uh, Dos Santos. What do you think? No, thank you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I don't feel like ending my life anytime soon, Brian. <laughs> His chin is deteriorating. I don't know if Wise ever had a chin. We'll have to go back to the uh, hallways of Boca High School North. Boca North, right? <laughs> Class of uh, high school. All right. Hey, let's, let's get tough. It's time to get tough. 
The Ultimate Fighter finale was this past weekend. We talked to Kamaru Usman. He was in that main event. RDA, the former lightweight king, up at welterweight. And Usman ground and pound in the style that only Usman can, which means I'm taking your five, and I'm going to punch the crap out of you on the ground. Are you not entertained and impressed by our guy Usman, friend of the show, making another step closer to an inevitable UFC title shot? I was very impressed. I thought that Kamaru, he literally laid out the game plan for us that he was going to put forth against RDA, and he stuck to it as quickly as he, as, as much as he could, I should say. He took everything that was left of RDA. RDA did not look like he had any answers for what Kamaru brought to the table. As soon as Kamaru started to shoot for takedowns, RDA just really couldn't even get him off of him. He was just up against the cage. He was taking damage up until Kamaru was able to take both legs, take him to the ground, and start putting more ground and pound on him. He also impressed me a little bit with his boxing. I'm sure that he probably got to the point where he felt that RDA had no had, had no power to com- to combat against him in that spot. But Kamaru looked pretty good. He was throwing pretty solid jabs and hooks, and the uppercut looked very vicious. If he lands that uppercut at any point against RDA or his next few opponents, that might be a game changer. That might be a title winner right there. But he did what he does, which is kind of – I mean, he doesn't take your soul with one punch. But for a guy who's known as not being a finisher – he said it last week. He likes to sort of take your soul as if it was a balloon and just slowly leak the air out. He took his nuts. Now he got to take his heart. Yeah, take his whole soul away. Take his whole soul away. I don't know if this is the end of RDA, but, I mean, he left that cage a beaten man, B-Wise. Yeah, it's not good, man. I I don't know what's left for him to do. Like, he's been to the mountaintop at lightweight. He thought that maybe going to welterweight because of how difficult the cut for him was to get to 155 would make it easier. Mm-mm. But – there are just so many dogs at 170 that it's impossible for him to climb that mountain again like that. And it's a different game. In, at lightweight, he could box and he could wrestle. At welterweight, he can't do either of those things at the elite level. So I don't know what's left for him. Well, really, against Colby. I'm not impressed by your performance. And I, I just thought it was a bad night at the office. But this is now two in a row where it was more or less complete domination. And I know that's a credit to what Usman did in there. But... I mean, maybe RDA is just one of those guys that, that the, the career timeline is going to be a constant roller coaster where it's like gets really close to the elite level and then falls back to ordinary, then reinvents himself. I don't know, but Usman is certainly the story. Maybe you could get on him for not being a finisher as this is what, uh, his seventh decision win in eight fights, but he's never lost in the UFC. And this is one impressive performance after another. After he ground out Maya for five rounds, he grounds out RDA. Uh, he said on this show last week that he may have to, I mean, here is something you can't understand, wise. He may have to just kill a man to get a title shot. Have, has he done enough, Mr. Dana White, to finally get this shot in the arm? Performance enhancing audio right in the veins. Put it on his tongue. Put it on his gums. Can we get this guy in a title fight? So here's my thing. He's main evented to his last two fights, right? One was an FS1 regular fight card. And this was the tough finale. Has he really generated a lot of buzz around these fights that makes you jump off the page and say, hey, he can main event a pay-per-view for you? No. No. I mean, as a, as a B-side, yes. Or, or co-main event as a B-side, yes. Yes. But you're right. You're, what you're saying is right. You're saying he's probably not moving any product. Right. And my point is I want him to be in a main event. I think he deserves to be in a main event. 
for a pay-per-view. He needs to be on a pay-per-view first, though. How do you not have this man fighting on pay-per-view yet? I think Colby deserves the shot because of how they structured the system. You gave Colby the interim belt. You tried to make him fight a month later after going 25 minutes against RDA. He said he couldn't do it, and you quote-unquote stripped him of it. Then Tyron went and won against Darren Till. Colby deserves the shot. Like, he's number one. He's the quote-unquote number one contender. Kamaru's so is number he not two. The, is he not the interim champion anymore? I get so confused by this crap. He still is, according to him, he still is the interim champion. Right, what, but according which, to Conor McGregor, he's still the featherweight champion. Right, exactly. I, I don't know. It's so weird. I just want to see Kamaru against Colby. Why can you not give me this fight? I mean, I hate to say it. I hate to say it, but Usman is probably going to get screwed. Like a Diaz brother could slide in here and take a title shot from him at any possible point. It's tough, man. This guy's been consistent. He's been dominant. He does say the right things in the interviews. I mean, he's he's a little more poised than he is fiery, but he can he can tease a little. He can touch the not maybe grab the bag, but he can tease the bag a little bit. You do have to be careful when teasing the bag, though. Wise, you want to know why? Why? Because you'll get the mess. I mean, everyone, everybody, everybody knows that. But uh, I, I mean, what happens next? Are we making Colby Woodley? Didn't Dana come out and say something? Break that down for me. Well, Dana held court after the tough finale in Vegas on Friday night, and he said that he was kind of frustrated with how both Colby and Tyron were acting when, while trying to make this fight, and that when he was asked about if if they were waiting on an injury to make the fight happen, he said, which one? <laughs> so Dana doesn't sound too pleased with either of the guys at the moment, and also said about Colby getting the next shot, he said, nothing's guaranteed in life, man. Nothing's guaranteed in life. Oh, wow. Well, we've seen this before, Wise. Remember, uh, Sajara Banks? She, uh, her title shot certainly wasn't guaranteed. That title that used to be on Montano and Demet Randomy's waist was never guaranteed. Hey, Tony Ferguson, your interim title, not guaranteed. So, Wise, uh, what's the next shot? What, what does it look like? I mean, so Woodley's out, you're saying, probably for a while? What are we gonna, we're not going to strip him, so we're just going to bring the interim title back into play? And we got Colby Usman coming up? Is that what you're saying? He was saying, no, he's saying that he doesn't know when either of them is going to be healthy, even though all of the discussion has been about making Colby versus Tyrant for 233. Now, Kamaru Usman was on Ariel Hawani's show today, and he said that if they need him, he's ready to fight at 233. He said that he'd be ready to fight next week if that meant getting a title shot against Tyron Woodley. Oh, you love that. I love that. I love that fight, that fight attitude, right? I love it might that. just be bravado, but at the same time, he needs that fight. <laughs> I don't know what else you can do at this point with welterweight. Like, are you going to have Colby or Kamaru fight Steven Thompson? Colby, Steven Thompson. You know, really that's it. the thing, dude. I hate to say this about our guy Usman because he's doing the right things. He's saying the right things. But yes, Colby, Steven Thompson is probably where they would go for ratings purposes, right? Does Steven Thompson have a win since he got screwed in the, in the Darren Till fight? No, right? He hasn't fought, no. Um, it's not like that. And I stopping. don't think he has a fight scheduled yet for the next couple months. So you got to look at those four guys still. You got Woodley, Thompson, Colby, and Kamaru. That's your, 
That's your four. You can make a mini tournament out of that if you need to. Well, what happens if Askren beats Lawler and then suddenly it's Askren Colby on one month's notice? I mean, yeah, you're go- they're going to piss Usman off. Never piss off a gangster. Uh, we may see an angry – I mean, he may have to go with the Max Holloway route, which is like I got to win 11 straight fights before I get a damn title shot. Yes, yes, he's he's on his way there. But win or lose, whatever. They, I love the Brett Okamoto asked him, you know, would you be on standby again for another uh, situation? And it was uh, F-bomb time. It was F-no. <laughs> F-off. F out of here. Drop the F. Wow. Wow. And then he said this. You're playing touch butt with that. No, no, no. Play. That was Nate Diaz. That was Nate Diaz. Um, <laughs> yeah, so um, I'm fired up by his performance, at least. He, he, we'll see. We'll see. He deserves it. He deserves it. If the, I mean, if this is the real UFC where the most deserving fight the most deserving. He's most deserving. Yeah. He, I mean, I just don't know what else you do with him. Like, are you going to have him fight Santiago Ponzinibbio? <laughs> like, after all that chatter? How about Leon Edwards? He's still not doing anything after he beat uh, Cowboy. Um, are you ready for a hot take? Sure. Usman's more deserving of a title shot than Colby Covington. How is that? You could say that the two biggest wins that Usman did were sloppy seconded after Colby got them, but I just think overall he's just been solid, man. We haven't seen him lose in the octagon. But how has he been more dominant than Kamaru? I'm saying Kamaru deserves him more than Colby. Right. How? Sorry. So how has Colby not been as dominant as Kamaru? Well, they're both been decisioning people is ultimately what I'm saying. And then Kamaru's never lost, and he's putting together a pretty lengthy run here. He has, but at the same time... Colby is running through these dudes and it's not even looking like a contest. He's he's not even getting really damaged in these fights, you know? I knew you'd stand up for your boy. I knew it. I absolutely knew it. Set you up, you nailed it. Uh yeah, so what what are our other thoughts from this from this card set Friday night in Las Vegas? I of course was in LA for the boxing and was watching the everything secondhand, but Anything else jump off of this card? It wasn't the deepest, to say the least. Not really. Um, uh, Joseph Benavidez got a nice win. He, it's still real to me on the Joseph Benavidez train. He just, he's gonna, uh, you know, we don't know what to make of that division, if that is the still thing, if there's ever gonna be another division there, but he deserves it. He deserves the title shot. He beat Henry in a great fight. There still is no certainty about the flyweight division, as Dana said. He said after the after the card was over that it's all murky right now. Nobody knows. That's great coming from the president of the company. Yeah, this is turning uh, very train wrecky. Yes, <laughs> yes. Wow. All right, all right, uh, Brandon Wiseman. So uh, Saturday we saw UFC bringing the thunder down under Aussie style. They filled a shoe. A lot of people spit in it, and then JDS took a crap in it. And he made your boy tie you to Ivasa drink it, bro. Took him downtown to the ground, full mount. I'm gonna sit on your face. I'm gonna pound you into submission. Is is he back? Is JDS back, or is this just? Well, this guy really wasn't who we thought he was. I mean, it's it's you're always gonna have that back and forth, but strong win for the former champion. Yeah, I think this was probably. See, I don't know if this is exactly the same as Francis Ngannou, but it's kind of close where. You start pushing a guy like Taito Ivasa a little bit too quickly, and he was not ready for those hands. <laughs> Where Junior Dos Santos, when they were in the ring together, Junior towered over him. 
like they were the size difference I thought was astounding. Junior's a big dude and Ty is pretty big, but he is like probably like six one. Junior's six five and he was built. Ty just looked kind of pudgy, you know? But he had and he has the power. He has knockout power. But Junior is so such a better boxer that the the skill discrepancy was just through the roof. Like JDS is for what it is in that heavyweight division, he is a gatekeeper at this point. And I think that he showed you why the youngins, so to speak, are not ready for what these guys still have at heavyweight. Yeah, a gatekeeper can be a very negative term. Sometimes there's an upgraded version. We call it gatekeeper to the stars. He's just a, uh, an up, he's just a top shelf gatekeeper because you're right. You bring a Ben Wet Rothwell in there, hot on drugs, ready to dance. JDS is going to outbox him and make him look bad. Like, he can still knock around the guys who shouldn't be there. It just seems that he's got, you know, sort of the warning track power on the upper, upper elite level because Kane twice just beat it out of him, bro. Well, that and Stipe. Um, I don't know where you go now with Junior. He wants to take – he said that he wants Alistair Overeem in a rematch after the fight. I kind of like that. I just don't know – what kind of product that's going to push? <laughs> well, that'll move. I mean, look, Overeem's still a ratings getter. That's still a, a fight that can headline a, a FS or ESPN Plus card, whatever, anywhere in the world. Of course, JDS got stopped by Overeem in 2015. Wants to run that back. That's fine. You know where he's going to be. He's going to. He's kind of the heavyweight Rich Franklin right now. And I always use that reference because you get to the end of your career, you got a name, you could fall into a title shot just by being healthy, just by being available. Yeah, I mean, and especially at heavyweight where. We never know what the, what the division rankings really are because the top five is ever changing in that group. You never know who's healthy. And yeah, I mean, Kane is, is Kane coming back anytime soon? We don't know because I would love to see a fourth fight between those two. No, 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 no. We don't, oh. no, 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 no. You don't mean that. Why wouldn't you? We got nothing else to prove there. We know Kane's a better fighter. Kane's, I think when Kane comes back, you got to, do UFC style matchmaking, which means, oh, you're back, Kane. Okay, you're fighting Stipe. Like you're going right into the deep end. We don't, we don't do soft matchups here. Oh, Ben Askren, here's Robbie Lawler, right? Oh, Brock Lesnar, the wrestler. Oh, here's Frank Mir, brother. Oh, CM Punk, here's. Oh no, well they get Mickey Gall. I mean, Mickey Gall's credible. Is he? Mickey Gall had two fights. Mickey Gall is credible. How dare you? He's been training with Enzo Amore. All right. Oh, okay, that makes him. You credible. can't teach that. Yes, yes. Don't ever forget, by the way, what DC said. I could be fat. I could not have a six-pack, but my dick works. Oh, God. I don't know why you love that that drop so so, much. That is so good. That is just so good. Um, I like like this aging version of JDS. Can outbox slower guys. Can pound out guys who certainly aren't ready. We'll see. Uh, We need – he's not in that full-on, like, Roy Nelson – uh, Arlovsky washed area where it's like, okay, all you have left is name value. He's still got something left. So let's see where that's going there. And you mentioned Overeem. He was in the co-main, correct? Or was that the week no. before? That was the week before. Oh, and he washed that other dude. All right. Yeah. You know, I'd, I'd see I'm that. China. I'd see that again. I got to stop covering other sports, you know, so I can actually know what I'm talking about here. But, uh, this Aussie card was, um, considerably deeper than the tough card the night before. What else, what else jumped out on you on this one? Your boy, Mauricio Shogun. Hoo-ah. Look, t- t- tell, me, tell me you didn't enjoy that. He's back, bro. First of all, tough night for the Aussies. Tough night for the brothers-in-law, meaning Tuivasa and his boy Tyson Pedro. 
I wonder what that podcast will sound like this week. But they both took some hard L's. Shogun. And back. Bang. Still bangs. And the Godfather lost too. Mark Hunt. Yeah, that's a tough situation there with the lawsuit situation. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's probably the end of the road there for Mark Hunt. But um, Shogun's in that weird phase, man, where it's like, I mean, he's hella, he's hella washed, but he's still hella dangerous. <laughs> and when you give him these guys, it's like he still can pop a crowd with a win. I mean, would do you think this victory is on par with that time Dan Henderson almost killed uh, Lombard with those uh, motorcycle gang elbows that he hit him with at 199? I mean, it's sort of one of those like, oh, man, we can't count this guy out yet. But I don't think he's getting the title shot or anything anytime soon. God, no. What are you talking about? That was a bad shot. reference to Hendo going from beating Lombard to suddenly fighting for the damn world title at 46. People forget that ever happened. Listen, he just lost his last fight before this to the quote-unquote hottest prospect in the game, Anthony Smith, okay? He's got 13 losses. No, he looks good, though. He <laughs> does look really good. No, good good to see Shogun get, uh, come back and, and just ruin a guy with power. 37 years old, man. I, what Was there a turning point on his washness? Uh, that's probably Cause the That, that recent reinvention confused me. Remember that three or five win streak he was on? He's, he took, no, he's won four out of five. Yeah, he took out Little Nog, Corey Anderson, your boy John Volante, that, I mean, that's, that's, that's nice there, but I, I feel like he just never recovered from those Hendo fights, man. That's just brutality. Yeah. I mean, that's probably as close as you can get to calling it that. I mean, got, losing to Gustafson and then losing to Son and back to back. The and Son then loss the, is bad. The Son loss was bad. That was a, okay, he's done right now. That was five years ago, dude. <laughs> and then Hendo again knocking him out was pretty bad. So I don't know. I think he's still going to be like the similar to Alistair Overeem. I think Shogun still has that quote unquote name value where you put him on a card. People are going to pay attention a little bit, but get this, he does not need to be anywhere near title picture, top five in light heavyweight, any of that. Just stop it. So you're saying you can keep headlining cards in like Beijing and Singapore for us? On, yeah. On name value alone? Keep moving the product, man. Keep expanding the fan base. By the way, I think this is more of an indictment on Tyson Pedro because Tyson Pedro looked awful. Yeah, man. Um, maybe, 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 uh, that, that podcast can take off for him. Um, he's got a good look though. The 27 year old nickname is Kangaroo Paws. Wow. Uh, but, uh, this is now three out of his last four that he lost. I guess that win over Saparbek Safarov not holding up that well there. But when he first came on and beat Roundtree, I was like, oh, this guy looks good. He's long for the division. This guy could be something. But, you know, you hit yeah. a wall. You got to turn that thing around there, wise man. Um, uh, remember that beatdown Shogun took against Jones? Of course you remember it. But, like, I mean, he was willing to go out on a shield, but that probably took at least 15% of his prime away from him. I mean, that that's a beatdown on the championship level that's almost as bad as, like, Aldo in the Holloway rematch, where he was like, I'm going out of my shield and you need to kill me. And uh, I'm trying to think of any others. Oh, God, Dos Santos against Kane that, the, the, those two times. You know, it's just like, man, this is getting bad. This is getting tough to watch. Yeah, I mean, that run in 2009-2010 between Rashad... Lyoto, Shogun into the John Jones era was just insane. Like those, those four guys just beat the crap out of each other for two or three years and it was great. Man, I love Shogun. Everyone loves Shogun, of course. I mean, you go back and you look at the guys he fought before he ever came to UFC. I mean, that pride run is insane with names. I mean, 
I, all these guys are finally going away. The Belforts, the Shoguns, the you know the Dan Hendersons, the the guys who crossed over actually like almost three full MMA generations, not just one or two. You know, and it's like it's sad to see these guys go. I mean, you know, like a guy like Belfort, it goes back to when they were wearing shoes in the cage. You know, it's like it it's it reminds you at how young the sport still is in in reality, twenty five years, but it also it, because of how fast the sport has grown. When you go back and watch their first fights, you go back and watch BJ Penn with hair, and you're like, damn, that was a long time ago, bro. Remember with the knee pads? Yep. Where do you put Shogun in history, though? That's an interesting point, because he just has that collective resume that's so fun, and he did win a UFC title, right? He he did. He was very successful in Pride. I mean, he, I guess he's one of those generic all-time greats, and I say generic, meaning he doesn't necessarily have a number spot where I'm like, okay, you know what? Let's be honest here. Shogun's the sixth best all time. No, he's not in that category. He's not at the upper room or even the on deck circle of the upper room where guys like Liddell and BJ sit. But he's certainly in the man. We love you forever. You're a Hall of Famer. You're an all time great. Is that fair? That's generic, but is that fair? So he's kind of like Forrest. No, dude, Forrest does not see. All right, let's let's be. Let's to move. me, he's that name that you're talking about, though. No, but he... here's where we're gonna have to be honest. Forrest is insanely overrated historically. He's a yeah. fighter who maxed himself out, but he gets more credit for having won the fight that means more to Dana and the company's financial bottom line than ever, which is the Bonner win. And yes, he did elevate himself to the level where he actually won a world title, but in reality, he's not on Shogun's level. And yeah, I know no, they that's... fought each other. I'm not saying like you know what I'm saying. Like in reality, lo- right. big picture. I get it. I'm just trying to think of a comparison to put Shogun, who you would put him with in that room or in that category, you know? So I, like, I think v, he's in the Vitor category, right? I feel like Vitor was more accomplished. He was a little bit more. Hendo's more accomplished. Do you remember that point? You know, the UFC 152, the fight that never happened. Yep. Hendo hurt his knee. John Jones pulled out. It was really one of the first non-Randy Couture moments where somebody stood up to the UFC, right? And there was the narrative coming in that Guys, if Hendo knocks out John Jones here, is he actually the greatest of all time? And there was this backdoor argument you could have made at that moment where it actually would have added up, you know, if he added that UFC title on top of it. Um, yeah, Shogun's right below that. And that's fine, by the way. That's fine. Because his style meant he's going to have to lose. When you bang, bro, he bangs. Get your boy Iglesias out here. He bangs. You're going to lose sometimes. But, man, I mean, that run... Of beating the Nogs, the Overeems, the Rampages. Oh man, those were the days. Those were the days. You'll never forget his 2003 win over uh, Cyborg Santos, right? You'll never forget that. Nope. No. Or Alistair in Pride. Yeah, damn right. Yeah, two wins over Alistair. Hey, I'd I'd, I'd watch that trilogy. You? Oh my God, that would be so gross right now. <laughs> You do know that I like it. Extra sloppy. Um, should we care about Justin Willis after this win over Mark Hunt? No, I don't think so. I don't think he's there yet. Tai Tuivasa called him out after the fight because I guess there was some quote-unquote disrespect going on before the fight card started where Justin Willis disrespected Mark Hunt at the at the uh, face-off. Yeah. And Tai Tuivasa did not like that. <laughs> So now Tai Tuivasa wants to fight Justin Willis to say, come get some. So I don't know. I don't know what you do with a guy like that because he's just kind of there filling a space for now. He's not, he's not accomplished enough and he's not skilled enough yet to be like top 10 ranking, but he still keeps winning. So 
he's going to keep moving up and seeing if they can put him in another co-main event soon. At age 37, Yushin Okami suffered another defeat. Should we say goodbye to him? I mean, how the heck is this guy fighting at welterweight on Saturday when he dropped a unanimous decision to Alexei Konchenko? And just one year ago, he fought at light heavyweight against OSP. God, I don't understand how he's still fighting. It's amazing, almost, right? Like, he's just been a body for this company forever to go fight on the eastern part of the world. And he never loses three in a row. And when he loses a couple in a row, it's usually against really good names. So he never puts you in that spot where you got to get rid of him, right? And then he'll leave the UFC, win like four or five in a row, and then he's back. Yeah. Yeah, he goes, gets whatever uh, drugs that he needs to go get some, get a win streak going, and then he comes back, quote unquote, clean, <laughs> and figures something out, gets another paycheck. It's great for him, he's not great for us. He's another in that era, debuted in 2002, probably looking at the end. Uh, that pretty much wraps up UFC Adelaide down under the Thunder. Nothing else really. Jo- oh, you're 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 fired up over this guy. Uh, you're gonna pronounce this for me? No, I want you to pronounce it. Uh, Sadiq Youssef. I think that's about as close as we're gonna get. Alright, alright, alright. That was yep. a, uh, the featherweight with the stoppage win over, yeah, you can, you can, you can handle that one too. <laughs> Suman Mokhtarian? Uh, that's fine, that's fine. Uh, this went a little bit far past my available time this week. What do you got on this one? <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he just looks like he's got the power at featherweight that you're not used to seeing. Um, he put Mokhtarian, I think that's how I'm going to say it from now on, Mokhtarian, he put him away with pretty relative ease in the first round, and he's the kind of guy that looks the part. He can bang with anybody that he needs to. He can take the fight to the ground. He might be one of those dudes that you got to pay attention to pretty soon in featherweight because the new crop of guys is starting to come up, and he might be one of them. You have me intrigued. I'm going to be watching much closer now. Um, good name though. Good name. Good name for sure. Hey, what do we got? What do we got this week in some latest news? Let's go. Let's let's hit the, let's hit the news cycle. So there's some intrigue around your boy, one Conor McGregor. May we be getting a rematch, but not the rematch that you want or that I want. And which which one are you projecting on me? Which kind of rematch do you think I want right now? The one that the people want, Khabib no, and Connor. No, 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 not now, not now. Dana says he's looking to make Connor versus Dustin Poirier too. Yeah, yeah, I'm in on this, wise. I'm in on this big time. It is a beautiful aroma that. Arouses me. That smells good, Wise. That smells really, really good. You want to know why? Why? Because, look, we're resigned to the belief that you don't do the Habib fight right now. Tensions are high. What would Connor do if he lost? And he's a very important brand of the company. Blah, blah, blah. Cowboy fight? Yeah, it's creative. It's fun. It could give Connor a nice comeback win. But there's a certain level of hollowness to that. And, to make it worse, if Connor somehow lost that, Look, Cowboy's done, dude. Cowboy's washy, all right? It's the end of the line. He's a name at this point. Why do I like this fight more? Because Poirier is right in the thick of it. Was supposed to fight Nate Diaz, of course, at 230. Had to pull out with an injury. He's deserving of a title shot. He's right there. So if Connor would lose two in a row and lose to Poirier, Poirier gets the rocket ship right to the top. 
And Habib Poirier would be something hot, friggin' fire, dude. But at the same time, this is a more credible win for Connor against a guy he already beat in a style that he can win. And it's not easy. So suddenly, where Connor Cowboy is a little bit more carnival circus matchmaking, even though it's still a fight, Connor Poirier 2 is a pay per view main event that I need to see right now. Tell me I'm crazy. Tell me I'm drunk. I think you should shut shut up. You're embarrassing yourself right now. Are, are you still drunk right now? Are you still drunk? Or what? What's no, going on? No, but I'm gonna go. <laughs> what is going on with him? I'm gonna go have a beer. Your voice is kind of you. What what is happening with you? Yeah. My God. Yeah. What what do you got? What do you got? <laughs> There's a lot of speculation going around the Twitter sphere that this is negotiation tactics by Dana. That this is him trying to get Nate Diaz's price down. So that they can make that fight happen soon in 2019. UFC would never use one of their top names to publicly. Oh wait, <laughs> now googling Habib Nurmagomedov UFC 205. Yes, yes, I remember that. Uh, if that's the, the the talk, wise, you like that? Not really. I don't want to see Nate. I don't want to see Nate Connor three yet. I I I'm not ready for it. So I kind of agree. I'm going to stop you right there and interrupt you and say, I kind of because that's a lottery ticket. That you legitimately can cash in for the rest of time. I actually would wait till, would want to wait until like Nate's 38 and Connor's like 35, where it's like, okay, now we're just in creative matchmaking mode. Oh, this is one of the best rivalries in history. Let's see who wins the rivalry right now. That's the perfect, hey, Connor's lost, uh, two out of his last five fight, right? Like that's the perfect, like, put the, put the candle on top, cash it in. You're right. We never actually needed that third one. Right away. And that's why Dana was always against it, because they took so much out of each other in that rematch. I'm with you on that. But do you like Connor DP too? I don't. I think Connor gets just gets washed by Dustin. Whoa. We talked about this before though. I don't like that matchup. This is gonna be by the way, wasn't that other fight at one forty five? Yeah, their first fight was at one forty five, yes. That's when both were still depleting themselves a lot. I'm gonna I, agree that that Poirier was not He's a better fighter now, not depleting himself. He's mentally a stronger fighter, no question. And that's important because before that first fight, Connor got in Dustin's head. Yes. And it showed very early on in that fight that Dustin was not ready for that moment yet. Since then, Dustin's gone on a great run. He's knocked out Eddie. He knocked out Justin Gaethje. And I think he knocked out somebody else. I can't remember off the top of my head. But he's looked so much better and so much more complete now that he's at 155. And he's gotten these main event spots. I think that his power is going to overpower Connor in a situation like that because Connor is going to want to just box, right? Dustin can wrestle. Dustin's wrestling is not bad. He True, can but it's not a beef level. So I think Connor would 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 feel confident enough in that. But I don't know, like not having to train wrestling as much this time, and Connor can go back to being Connor. This is a shootout. This is a fight, bro. This is going to be fun. Then why not make Justin Gaethje against Connor? Because then you're going a little bit more on the circus side. Now I know Gaethje is coming off a a win that prevented us from um you know wanting to see him actually walk away from the sport against uh Jeremy Stevens, correct? But at the it's it's better than the the Cowboy matchup in terms of a relevant fight. But this is a pay per view main event, dude. Right. I my point is that if you want to get him a get well fight or a get right fight, why wouldn't you put him in there against somebody who's only going to want to stand and bang against somebody who, you know, 
is two punches away from falling on his face punch drunk, you know? Because Why wouldn't UFC you get, doesn't that, really do that's get more well exciting. fights. How is that not more exciting? They don't really do get well fights. We keep talking about it, but seriously, who gets get well fights? Almost nobody. Unless there's an injury involved. Like, okay, like Daryl Horcher, but that wasn't even his intended opponent, right? Like, for Habib that time. Nobody really gets get well fights at all. So, I was a little surprised that there was that much talk about Connor Cowboy at that moment. Because Cowboy's washed. He is. Definitely. So, Connor Dustin is like a, let's get the winner right back into the title picture. So, and I think it, it, it starts the drums right away. So, UFC, if you're UFC, like... You want Connor Habib too, and you want it to matter, but you want to do it at the right time. The right time would be Connor coming off a win this big. Would Connor know. beating Dustin be that big to you? I, yes, because of how much Dustin has improved, a hundred percent. I think it would depend on how he looks, man. I don't, I don't know that Dustin's name value right now gives him that much cachet to say, "Hey, Connor's back, man." You know, Connor, Connor just beat a top five guy. What does that mean anymore? You know, oh, but I don't know. You show the highlights of what he did against Eddie. I mean, I, I look, I, I hear you. He's not on that full on crossover level, but certainly credible. I mean, if if Dana's trying to make this trilogy, is this him trying to cash out of the Nate Diaz business officially? Is that it? Is he going to go play the touch butt in the park with those dorks? I mean, is this really where we're going? You're saying if he gets the if it if they book Connor and Nate? Yeah, this is this is Dana just being like, I'm not messing around with this guy anymore. Have your trilogy yeah, fight. Go. This home. Is- this is literally him because, <clears throat> excuse me, because of what happened with Nate at 2:30. This is probably, hey, go fight Connor, and then I'm not dealing with you anymore, you or your brother, because Nate, Nick's gonna fight first, and then Nate will fight later in the year. Then I'm done with both of you. You guys figure out where you're gonna make your money elsewhere. Go to Bellator. I got it. Hey, I'm not surprised, mother. All right. Either am I. Really, either am I. But um, I love talking. What's next for Connor? But we do have that little elephant, and I say little. Because I don't think they're going to get the, the book thrown at them. But the Nevada State Athletic Commission will have a hearing December this month. What's the date? 15th maybe? Something like that? December 10th. December 10th. It's next Monday. They, they can't drop the hammer on these guys. It's. I'm telling you right now, it's going to be one of those retroactive ones where it's like, oh, their suspension ends right when they were going to come back and fight anyway. Perfect timing. So Dana was talking about how they they still have to wait for this stuff, and you never know with – the Nevada State Athletic Commission. But he also kept noting while in that press conference, nobody got hurt. Nobody got injured. Everything was fine. <laughs> That's what he said, that there was a lot of a lot of ruckus, but nothing really happened. So in Dana's mind, you're right. He's probably thinking this will be retroactive. We'll get them back in the ring by April. Everything is going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. This is a bunch of uh, – yeah. Look, you don't punish Connor. For the most egregious offense in your company's history, you can't punish other people for doing less. That's the bottom line. Man, that was a quick turnaround from Dana in April, right? The worst <laughs> thing that ever happened to – yeah, I've seen worse. Yeah, that's all right. It's all right. I mean that's just that just tells you all you need to know. But when you talk about Connor coming back and Habib, uh, you got to make Habib Tony. We've said it last week. You got to make Habib Tony finally. Where are we at with that? We're, like – is this a real? Is this a reality? Is Floyd going to ruin this? Like, what the hell is going on? Yeah, I don't know. I think that it's going to happen. Dana keeps saying that Tony deserves the title shot, even though we still aren't getting to that point where they're in negotiations because of everything going on with Nevada and whatnot. But at the same time, 
I don't know what else you do with Tony at this point. You know, like Tony's gonna wait out for his title shot because he, he needs to get that pay- that paycheck. You know, look, Tony and- gambled with the Pettis fight. I said it, dude. And Pettis tried to tried to take his take everything from him, and he had to fight like a man to finish him. You don't gamble twice. Yeah, so he's he's definitely gonna sit out and just wait for Khabib at this point. I one would assume, but we have no idea because. We're still in this limbo with Khabib, and Khabib keeps saying, "Oh yeah, I'd rather fight Floyd. It mean it means it means more money for me." Well, duh, but it's not a fun fight. Like it's not a true fight. You're gonna go box when nobody, everybody knows you can't box. Like, come on. We really, really don't need Floyd. And guys, apparently Floyd is back on for December 31st against that kickboxer for uh, that card. By the way, that card from Risen Fighting Federation. Actually, kind of getting kind of hot. Didn't, aren't they sending uh, Darian Caldwell over there, Bellator? Yeah, that's right. They're bringing. They're going to try and bring back their own featherweight division. I think, or no, is that bantamweight? Yeah. I don't remember what Caldwell is. I believe he's bantam. He's getting sent over there to fight for a title that he'll be allowed to bring back to Bellator. Yeah, they're going to. <laughs> Risen wants to bring back the 135 division, but if Caldwell wins, there's no division. <laughs> It's so weird. I like that though. I like that. It's wild. I like that. That card actually doesn't stink. There's, there's a couple of things worth checking out on there along with that, uh, that Floyd, uh, sparring boxing match with headgear, maybe? Sure. Yeah. If you're gonna watch it, I guess I'll watch it, but I, uh. That's Risen 14 Saitama and, uh, hey, Kyoji Horiguchi against Darian Caldwell. Bantamweight. Love it. Love it. It's a good fight. You know? Couple other names I'm on there. Just, I'm more interested in the stuff that we got next week. We're <laughs> involving Bellator people, but that's you're fine. A big Darren Krukshank fan. He's on that card. Emmanuel Newton once took the soul of uh, my boy King Mo twice. Yeah, those right, <laughs> those can, are names. Okay, you can watch that. You can enjoy it. Uh, Dana White coming out and confirming Anderson Silva's claim. This is do we we haven't talked about this fight yet, right? Anderson Silva, Israel Adesanya, or we hit that last week? We did hit that last week, yeah. So, Brett Okamoto of ESPN, our boy, talks to Anderson in the meantime, because everybody's wondering, why the heck is Silva taking this fight? Why would you take on such a dangerous guy who has next in his prime that's only going to hurt you? Silva promised, Silva says Dana promised a title shot for doing so. And we all go, whoa, whoa, all right. I guess that's good business. It gets back to Dana, and he confirms it. You know what, Wise? It's a good hedge. It's a good ass hedge from, from your old boy Dana White there. Because if Israel Adesanya is somehow not who we think he is, then he can send Anderson Silva after Robert Whitaker down under or in New Zealand or wherever you want to do it. And that's doing big business down there. Legend against next king. So basically what Dana's saying is either way, Silva's going to pass the torch to somebody. And if it's Adesanya who fights and looks like him to a degree, then that's even better. Through this talk, there's sort of a minority argument coming together, led by Chael Sonnen, of all people. <laughs> you know, you remember Chael Sonnen's uh, history, of course, with Anderson Silva. When Anderson Silva walks into a room, you could hear a rat piss on cotton. Uh, he's the one coming out now and saying, no, Silva's a legend. He wouldn't take this fight unless he sees an angle. He's going to win this fight. Wise, where are you on this whole thing? I was actually, before you mentioned that, going to say... What if all of this ends with Anderson Silva once again holding the <laughs> ball at 185? Like, <laughs> after losing Trust four me. out of five fights. He back, he back, bro. 
And then he somehow beats Israel Adesanya and or Robert Whitaker for the 185 title. I mean, are you talking about, like, ultimate comeback story? Like, I love that you uh, didn't mention Kelvin Gastelum's name in there. How dare you? How dare you? Uh, yeah, that's, that's crazy. Do, what do you, do you like the idea though of them promising him a title shot here with a win? I do in the sense that it got him paid because that's the only way that he took that fight and took these, these claims because why else is Anderson Silva still doing something like this at this point in his career? Very He's true. Clearly yeah. not at that level. Like we both know this. Like we joke around it, but Anderson's clearly not at that level anymore. Only for spurts. He can still do, do stuff in spurts, but yeah, he can't fight full five it, minutes it, at that level. It lasts two minutes in a fight. It lasts two minutes of the 15, you know? So I just don't see how else he accepted this fight unless it's because he got like a $2 million paycheck to go take on Israel in, um, Australia. Now, the, the minority argument here that he has a much better chance than any of us think, you, you'd assume it has more to do with experience, but, you know, people are saying, look, Adesanya's not going to take this guy down. This is the style matchup that Anderson Silva likes to fight. So if he can outguile the youngster, but dude, Israel Adesanya's got, got bars. I mean, there's, there's layers to what he can do. He's very creative. He's going to be faster than Anderson. He's going to be more explosive. He actually thinks he can wrestle anyway. What if he just comes in and wrestles? No, he won't do that. He's a showman. He's a showman. Are we overselling though? The idea that Silva, washed Silva, is just gonna get, gonna get sent right back down to hell? I don't think so. So we joked, I think we joked about it before that this is the Spider-Man meme, where they're both pointing at each other because they do the same style of fighting. What if we get to the point in this fight where Israel and Anderson are both clowning at the same time, doing the exact same thing, mirroring each other? Like Anderson, you know, doing his head movement where he's trying to avoid shots and Israel just starts doing the same thing at the same time. Like it's gonna look like I, the beat it video basically. It's gonna just be choreo- choreographed dancing. Yeah. And at some point one of them's gonna moonwalk across the ring. It's gonna be great. I don't know. I I just don't understand. I don't think Anderson has any shot outside of the one punch knockout. And he's never had the one punch knockout, you know? Outside of the front kick to the face of Vitor Belfort. He's never been that guy, you know. He's well, a accumulation puncher. Him. Yeah, he kind of one punched Forrest. But Forrest, I think, was like, "I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm out of here." So that was accumulation, though, because he had just whipped his butt across the ring for two rounds before that, and then Forrest got caught with that quick jab that just stunned him, and then he said, "No more." Well, he, we, I think, did he one shot James Irvin that time. He caught the kick. Again, random guys. Sure, All you right. can pull. I'm one just shot. pulling memories here. I'm just pulling memories from my boy. But you're right. You're right overall. I, I'm coming around on this fight. At first, I'm like, oh, God, Silva's going to die. What are they doing here? Now I'm coming around on the idea. I don't know if I just watch too many of these Chael Sonnen bet DSI Twitter clips that just keep falling out from the sky. You watch these things. Each time, it's like this bad argument, but it's got enough of a hook in it where you're like, maybe Chael's just smarter than us all. Maybe Chael's got it, right? No. (laughs) No. 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 I'm not a martial artist. I am a fighter. <sighs> hey, uh, there's a shift in the pay-per-view marketplace, and it could be key for new UFC negotiations in 2019. Why should I care about this, Wise? So the biggest part for this is that it might help fighters get more money. Traditionally, so this is from our friends at MMAfighting.com, um, Dave Meltzer. He's saying that the new agreement for pay-per-views might net UFC $65 million a year. 
Now, I think what that means overall is that more money might trickle down, but it's also, hey, while everybody's talking about going to DAZN to do those fights for $9.99 a month or whatever, UFC is still making enough money doing these pay-per-view shots 12 times a year that they don't need to worry about that just yet. All right, so it's sort of a counter counter news programming, sort of like, hey, our demise is not so, you know, here, here's proof, bros. We're still, this still is the financial backbone that we need. Yeah. All right, all right, and, I accept that. And while Fight Pass might, you know, have few, a few fights, the ESPN Plus stuff is probably not going to be as helpful just yet. So they're going to still be leaning on these pay-per-views for the next couple years. You think that there's any... I don't know, uh, difference we'll see in the ESPN coverage of fights compared to Fox from the broadcast look to anything. I really don't. I think UFC is still going to have complete control over it and they're going to dictate how everything is set up. Everybody hoping that fights would either fight cards would be shorter or broadcast would be earlier are wrong. <laughs> we are still going to be starting 10 p.m. Eastern most fight cards and they will most likely be five to six fights on the main card. So. Get ready to keep staying up till 1 a.m., folks. I can't handle that. I cannot handle that. Just having uh, the last six days in L.A., that West Coast life. Oh, man, dude. 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 Nobody knows yet, but we have jet lag BC today, so. This is broken BC. Broken <laughs> and angry jet lag. Uh, yeah, this is, you know, wow, wow. What round they rise to That's exactly what I'm wondering right now. Um, what else we got in the news here? Uh, oh god, Sage Northcutt. So this is a whole weird situation. I haven't dug as deep in this as I wanted to, but here's what I took from reading headlines and reading Twitter. Yes, he signs with one championship. We'll get that in a second. But the way he exited UFC, am I hearing this right? His contract was up. He got an offer from one. He brought it back to UFC and they're like, heck no, we're not paying that. So then Dana comes out and says, no, we cut him. And it's going to take him a while to come back and be a better fighter, but one day he'll be back. Is that – did I get all that? Kind of. Dana did confirm what you just said, though, about he got an offer. We brought He brought it to us. We told him we're not going to match that. You can pursue your other offers. He also did say that he's been right most of the time when it comes to not matching those contracts. So – Dana feels pretty good about not bringing back Sage Northcutt for whatever reason. I don't know why, but, like, the dude was on a three-fight winning streak and looked like he was finally starting to turn the corner, Even you know? Mr. Faber were really looking good together. <laughs> there was some – there was a, a rumor today, I believe, from – or not a rumor, from uh, Ariel Hawani's show that they had the one champion CEO or owner. Chatri, yes. Yeah. He said that UFC offered – Sage Damian Maya as a fight before all of this happened and that he didn't agree to it. And then that was part of what led to them not matching that contract offer. Wow. Who are they trying to cash out in that fight? Damian or Sage? That's an interesting, uh, equation right there. Uh, he wasn't, he's not ready for that kind of fight no, though, right? No, not at all. And it's tough to see uh, Dana on the unfiltered podcast made it seem like, Oh, he's not good enough, so we cut him. Well, it's like, well, you built him up too early. It's sort of that whole thing with Francis Ngannou. It's like, he's the next Mike Tyson. Oh, he got, he lost. He's got a bad ego. It's like, come on, you can't, you can't build a guy up and then drop the deuce right on him, right? Yeah, I just, I don't know what if they just didn't think the plane was going to work with Sage because they still have Paige Van Zant, and it's the same kind of thing where it's a good looking person that they're young, trying to make, make more, um, 
waves with the younger audiences and all of a sudden Sage is gone, but Paige is still going to keep fighting. It's really weird. Yeah, this is uh, it's a weird sport. Let's just be honest with that. But Sage North could go into one is interesting at the very least for name value. Let's be honest. One is trying. They're trying to make a move into the U.S. market to a degree, even though they're based in Asia. They do all their events in Asia. But now when you have Eddie Alvarez, Demetrius Johnson, you have Misha Tate as one of your public faces as a vice president of sorts. Now you got Sage Northcutt. And by the way, they signed my boy, 43-year-old Sexy Yama. He's back, bro. That's my guy right there. That guy is handsome and a half right there. You know what I'm talking about, Watts? That guy is solid, man. Love that guy. Always well tanned. Too bad that UFC run didn't work out. But my point is they have cards that now you want to watch. It's not just, oh, I know that name on the co-main event and no one else knows because I'm a hardcore. Or, hey, Askren's fighting again. Now it's like, I got to actually see these. So Chatri was on what, Ariel's show today? Mm -hmm. And said they'll have some news soon. Said they'll have a US TV deal, broadcasting deal pretty soon. Look, that's the right move because I think right now ESPN certainly is big with UFC. UFC is going to be in everyone's face, still going to be number one. But... I don't know. With Bellator going to, to to the zone, it was a strong financial move. But to a certain degree wise, it's pulling them away from casual fans in the public market to a certain degree. Yeah. PFL, uh, you know, that's fine. It's a, it's a decent organization, but they're not making giant waves, right? What if one, if they're going to spend a lot of cash, can crash this market and at least put out shows that you have to see? Or, I mean, is their end game? You're just going to be another World Series of Fighting, or can this be? Can they at least compete? Forget competing with UFC, but compete with Bellator to be the the real number two. That's what I was going to say. Is like at this point, who are you more interested in, Bellator or One? Because One is getting guys that are still in their primes or so, on the so rise. Belly with uh, with Rory. That was that was you know, and Gegard. Hey, and then what happened to Rory? Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But Rory, I mean. Bellator has those has very nice prospects. They have Aaron Pico. They have um, MVP, bro. MVP. Yeah, they've got they've got younger fighters that are starting to get to that top level. But one just signed Eddie Alvarez, who we thought was probably what top three, top four lightweight in the world at this point. True, thirty four, second half of career, but still can fight. Still can fight. They have the best flyweight in the world now in Demetrius Johnson. Soon to and be that- the only flyweight in the world. Just just to let you know that. <laughs> and now they have Sage Northcutt, who, while he wasn't at that top level yet, he's only, what, 22? And he's still learning. And he looked like he was starting to turn the corner at, at welterweight. So to me, and for our own interest, I like the idea of one getting a US TV deal because that means fight cards at 10 a.m. or 11 a.m. because they'll be in Japan. And it'll be a lot easier for us to cover. But I think they have a chance to take away from what Bellator has started to build. I think that's the main thing to take away from this is that if they are able to land that TV deal, Bellator might get pushed to number three in the U.S. in terms of – It's interesting because that's a very good move Bellator signing with DAZN financially. They get a huge influx of cash. But unless DAZN becomes a regular thing that everybody has and everyone's checking out regularly because that's the thing about – I don't know. It depends on how advanced your house is. If you're in a house that, you know, you don't have a cable package and you're watching only smart apps on your TV, right? Then it's not a big deal. You might flip over to the zone to see what's on. 
But if you have the DAZN app, but 90% of the time TV is watched in your house, it's regular TV. You're never going to run into it. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, when Canelo fights, oh, yeah, I got to find DAZN. I got to turn it on. I got to subscribe. But it's not like, oh, let me run into this Bellator fight accidentally, right? So that's the gamble right now of going too hard into the streaming, which everyone knows is the future. But to get too ahead of the game in the future, it obviously depends how good of a TV deal one can get and with whom. Against who? Against who, as Teddy Atlas would say. But I don't know. It's weird, wise, because we all like want to be done with TV. But TV is where you find stuff accidentally. So who's left, though, for one to go to? Do they go to Fox? I don't know. I think they have any money left after that WWE deal. Let's be really honest. And they're paying uh, PBC for big-time boxing. Or, right. or so, medium-sized box or medium-time boxing. <laughs> so who do they have that they can go to and be like, hey, pick us up for TV? HBO? Doubtful. Heavily doubtful. Uh, Turner? Turner, potentially. Turner seems to be hip and woke on things like esports, right? What if uh, the zone picks him up? <laughs> okay, then we double down on the idea that the zone's <laughs> bringing everybody in. Uh, it, yeah, that's interesting. If it's the zone, is it going to be a, I don't know, an Amazon or a Netflix, and just further we go deeper into this, you know, streaming thing? But again, you'd have a if it if it's Netflix, to be honest, because Netflix is becoming that new home that I'm talking about, right? Like my kids, ten years old, right away they go to Netflix. Right away, if it's on the menu, they'll see it on the main Netflix menu. They'll see it. If not, you're not going to see it. They're not flipping channels. It's not me in the 80s anymore, okay? That's over. They're also not opening up the zone. They don't know what the heck the zone is, all right? Even though, by the way, sometimes kids, it is paying for your, your, uh, your thing. So let's not, let's not crap on the zone. Let's get into zone, brother, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. So I don't know. I want to see one have a chance. I want to see him have a fighting chance. Yeah, I think that's the, the thing is if they can crack into the market, they got a shot. They've made the signings that they need to to make people aware of them. Now it's just get them on TV. Let's see what they can do. Let's do it. Uh, do you like this fight that is being talked about? Jose Aldo Cub Swanson 2 at UFC 233. Is that a real thing? It was reported by Combate out in Brazil. Jose Aldo tweeted out their story, I think probably trying to drum up the interest. And then Cub Swanson came out today and said, yeah, I haven't agreed to anything, so don't get too excited just yet. I don't like the fight. <laughs> um, I think that's a lot of washed right there between Cub and, and Jose because Jose looked great against Jeremy Stevens. Don't get me wrong. But Jose also had lost two or three in a row before that to the young Cubs that are coming up. It's, it's Stevens Punish. made to order. Stevens made to order. Yeah, and that's fine. I just don't think Cub is, either, is there either because Cub's coming off like three straight losses too. He just lost to... Renato Moicano, and he lost to Brian Ortega as well. I think he might have lost to to Max at some point, but I don't think Max. I don't think he got him in a title fight. So, yeah, I just don't. I don't like that fight. I don't know what else you can do really that featherweight, but I'm not here for that matchup again. I had a brain fart earlier. I said that uh, Justin Gaethje had beaten um, uh, Jeremy Stevens to to avoid us wanting to go away. It was obviously James Vick. I, I, right when I said it, it it, it triggered a bell in my head that I said it wrong, but uh, yeah, I want to see uh, I want to see Aldo age gracefully into this, like, I still have a name, you can use me to save a card, you can certainly use me against guys you know I'll beat, can we do the slow road into Shogun territory with Aldo? I don't really need him in fights that don't matter, and I kind of want to see him in some celebrity fights. We never got the Anthony Pettis fight that we deserved. 
that was another one that when we're talking about what to do with Connor that we've talked about before. Yes. Do the rematch. Damn right. It it would matter more than a cowboy one. You know what? That's probably the smartest matchmaking possible, especially to get the the casuals. Because that's a pay-per-view headliner right there of two guys coming off of recent losses. Yeah, dude, make that make that damn match. Um, I love this other one we're going to talk about to close out the news of the week. Everyone loves it. We knew we were getting it as part of the Bellator welterweight tournament. Paul Semtex Daily, MVP Michael Venom Page. They hate each other. They're going to throw bombs. All British all the time. But it won't be over in the U.K., Wise man, it's gonna be in my backyard. Mohegan Sun Casino, Uncasville, Connecticut, February 16th. Hell yeah! That's a little winter treat from the boys at Bellator to me. Not to the fans in the UK, but hey, the zone money talks, bro. And it's gotta be on US time, and it's gotta be live. No more of this, uh, hey, there's a Bellator card at 2 p.m. in Israel, but you can't watch it until next week. No more of that, alright? This fight is huge. I can't wait for it. Do you have a feeling either way on who you like in this one? I mean, I told you for the longest time, I think MVP is going to knock him out. I don't think Semtex has it. I don't think that's a good matchup for him. I think Venom Page is just going to toy with him for a long time in that fight and then take him out. I'm just glad, though, that it is, it is on U.S. soil for as much as everybody wanted it to be in Britain and to be able to sell and generate revenue over there. For it to be in your backyard, though, I'm a little jealous. Not going to lie. Dude, bring it. Bring it. Bring yourself, all right? People don't, they don't fight in Florida, bro. No one fights in Florida anymore. They train. Everybody trains in Florida. Nobody fights in Florida. You want me to come to Uncasville? Nah, that's maybe not my favorite location. It's out in the uh, what they call the quiet corner of the state, which is basically anything past Hartford is quiet. The whole second half of the state, it's all quiet, all right? You got a lot of those areas in Florida. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Everybody lives around Miami. Nobody lives anywhere else in Florida, all right? I mean, it's the Tri-County area. Everything outside of it, yeah. you don't want to be in. No, no. Hey, uh, Paige Van Sant's boyfriend just signed with Bellator. Ariel Hawani just tweeting that out. You down with him? Really? There's her, sorry, it's her husband, correct? Yeah, they got married. Don't forget that, Brian. Is it Austin Vanderford? Four-fight deal? Sure. I didn't see that. That's, I mean, that's pretty interesting because he was on, uh, he was on Contender Series for Dana White and I think, I thought he got a contract from them. Interesting. Interesting move there. I wonder if his wife ends up following him or leaving him. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. Your call. Wow. Wow. Um, to <laughs> close. That How did you close? go there? No, I went there. Whatever. Hey, before we get into the weekend preview, and it's a good one because UFC 231 is a good card, a good card I'm looking forward to. You got a pair of interviews, and we want to jump right into the middle of them with one of my favorite fighters first, the former UFC women's strawweight champion, Joanna champion, JJ, Joanna, young J-Check herself. Yeah, fired up, dude. Would you, would you go over her apartment, hang out with her? Maybe, uh, a couple drinks? No. no, no? None of that. Okay, okay. Sorry, I'm, 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 I'm putting it on you. you. You had a chance to shoot it down. You did. I'm not saying, you know, whatever, whatever. Um, she sounded relaxed. She sounded fun. Let's hear that right now. Enjoy. Champion now that you're training for a 125 fight versus a 115 fight. Oh, definitely the camp is going much better, and I feel much better. I'm I am full of energy every day. We are at the end of the camp, so uh, I can be tired, and I might tired, but uh, this camp was amazing. I uh, my body recovered faster, and uh, I was in better mood every day. I this camp I realized how beautiful it is to be to to. 
to, to fight in your natural weight because I used to be 125er when I was competing back in the day, when I was competing in Muay Thai or boxing back, mm. back in the day and before I became a UFC fighter. And it, it was four, or more than four years ago, so I was never complaining about the diet, weight cuts, uh, but now I can see how much the diet, being on diet for so many, very strict diet for so many weeks, and, and the weight cut, how, how uh, it can impact your body, your brain, and your performance. I brought my physiotherapist, and when he saw me four weeks before the fight, he was like, I never see you, I have, I have never seen you in shape like this, because, uh, like I said, my body can recover faster, I, train, I can burn more calories, I can push harder, because of the higher weight cost. So I, I'm blessed, I, I like it. <laughs> I assume that means you're very happy that the UFC added the division now that you I'm guys very are happy. able to I, I was talking about for so many years about 125 division because at the beginning we had only 135 then 115 and then higher weight class with Chris uh, Cyborg and finally we have the 125 I, I, I'm looking forward uh, I, I hope that UFC will make 105 the atom weight as well because uh, I feel that we don't have to uh, impact our bodies like it's a tough sport so we have to we must go through uh, a lot during the camps and fights and and, and we should we should uh, take less impact during the weight cut so it's better if we're gonna have more divisions but in 2012 Dana said that there was not going to be female MMA female divisions in in the UFC but after so many years here, here we have four or five divisions and, and I'm looking forward I'm looking forward this fight sell uh, this fight sell and I'm very happy that I was part one of the biggest events uh, in the UFC history it was in Melbourne 2016 at the Etihad Stadium and the biggest audience two uh, female uh, come even and main event uh, run by by women, so it means a lot. So, but, uh, so, so it means a lot to me and to to all of the female fighters. You mentioned how much better you feel now that you're at a more natural weight. Yeah. What do you think can be done about these extreme weight cuts that we're seeing a lot now? We saw that a few weeks ago with Cynthia Calvillo, where she was struggling to even get on the scale. Yeah, but you know, you must take care of it before. Some some athletes. Uh, they wait too long. They wait till the last hours, last few days, last weeks. But when I'm fighting strawy division, sometimes I'm like uh, for 12 weeks on straight diet. But I mean, like, I love to cook, I love to eat, and I like to eat healthy. So uh, diet doesn't have to be boring. It doesn't have to be only rice, chicken, and broccoli, you know. Like, my diet is always uh, very... Uh, very rich and colorful and actually I have my hashtag eat like Joanna and a bunch of people not only athletes or fighters uh, follow this and they they saw and they, they can see that diet doesn't have to be boring but it's really uh, it's really it's really hard but but some of the athletes they should think about before like for me during the camp if I know that I have to so much weight there is no chance that I will eat even piece of chocolate but some other fighters are like oh it doesn't make a difference yes it does at the end when you struggle yourself now you mentioned Muay Thai when you were fighting a few years ago Valentina Shevchenko said the other day that the losses that you had to her were still affecting you. How would you respond? Of to course, that? of course, it does not affect me. And it was 10 years ago, and I remember I faced Valentina Shevchenko in 2006 after 
two years of training only. You know, I, I went to the to Thailand for world, to the world, world Muay Thai champion uh, Muay Thai World Championships, mm-hmm. and, and and I faced her in the first uh, first bout, and and you know it's a tournament rule, so you lose, you you out of tournament, but. Uh, that time I felt that I was going to win gold, but then I realized how much work uh, was behind me, you know, and I was looking forward to becoming better and better at it, and, and it was a good exam. She she has been training since she was since she was since she was a little girl, so uh, I know this time is going to be different. I'm different animal. I'm different athlete, different person very strong physically, mentally and we are meeting in the octagon in the best organization in the world and uh, I'm ready I will take over and I will get this belt home, you know, so I'm very happy that I will face such a talented and, and great uh, athlete uh, who is Valentina, but uh, you know I, I, I can see how uh, I, I'm improving with every camp and in the new way, in new division I'm very happy. I feel much stronger and more than ready. So you would be the first two division women's champion in UFC history with a win on on set next Saturday, yeah. right? How important do you feel the belt is at this point in the UFC, where we're seeing more and more super fights, so to speak? Yeah, I'm 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 very happy. You know, like there is not so many. Uh, like there is like what eleven now? It's going to be like twelve champions, or they cut the they might cut the one twenty five division, or they did that already. So 11, 12 champions. But there is a bunch of fighters, so uh, it means a lot to the UFC, to the artists, like they they, they can. Uh, that, uh, and, and for me as well, that I will become the first woman, and I I I, uh, I can face someone for the belt in different divisions, and means a lot. People wanna watch these fights, and they wanna see champion fighting champions. Sometimes we have like some freak fights, like someone from wrestling is coming to the UFC. We need it sometimes to to get the the bigger exposure. But I think UFC by itself, it's such a big organization, and and with the new owners, it's just getting bigger and bigger. And but we need. We, we need fights like this, you know. It's good for the sport. It's good for the sport. Were you happy that they avoided the circus, so to speak, when they were trying to put uh, Valentina against uh, Saraja? You know, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree to to the fight like a month early at Madison Square Garden. Of course, I love uh, to fight in New York at Madison Square Garden. I did two times, and, and I would like to be back to the, one of the greatest arenas in the world, but... I couldn't do that. I was out for a while because I'm a very busy person outside the octagon. When I I spent like two three months in the states, two three months uh, back home in Poland. But I like to be kind of active. Uh, I'm focused on what I'm doing, uh, the best, what is sport. But I like to do stuff outside. Sometimes the athletes they forget that there is life outside. You know, they get injured pretty badly. They cannot get back to the sport, and sometimes they go through the addiction because they don't know what to do. Uh, in their life, so it's good to have some other hobby, other passion, other jobs. Of course, when I'm preparing for the fights, I'm only focused on it. But I was busy. I spent home two months, two weeks. But honestly, for two weeks, I was only uh, at my apartment. So you can imagine how busy I was, and I was not training enough to 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 be ready to face Valentina Shevchenko at the beginning of November. So I decided to 
just uh, not agree to this fight at Madison Square Garden. But I ha- when they took this fight away from me, I felt that it was going to happen. So my my intuition was very strong, and here we go. Uh, a week. Uh, most fighters say they learn something win or lose from every fight what did you learn from the last two fights that you had with Rose at 115 uh, you know I, 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 I'm focused on uh, what I can do better and I'm focused on my next fight but uh, of course I learned that I should trust more my intuition myself I have very good people around me, good, great coaches. My family, my friends are big support to me. My physiotherapist, but you know, like it's, this sport is all about trust. Because uh, in the day, in the final day, the final night, in the day of the fight or the, the the match, we don't have colleagues who can help us. You know, so sometimes we don't feel hundred percent this day. It's all about us, ourselves, our uh, our uh, mental strength. You know. And we have to. We're the only people who deal with it. So uh, I learned to trust more myself, my people, because I know that some people who think they are like with you, they are not with you. They are taking care of their business. So, uh, so I'm trying to keep my eyes more open, listen more, and 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 do what's best for me. And and that's 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 the thing. That's the thing. Some mistake, mistakes uh, were made before my first fight with Rose, and and I took a big lesson. So that's it. Now, the last time that we talked, you had mentioned before that you were considering what your life would look like post career, post fighting. Is that still a thought for you? Uh, like, after the yeah. I will be done with fighting, of course. You know, I just I just bought a house in Poland, and I'm looking forward to be close with my family I've been in this business for more than 15 years traveling I, I used to live in Thailand in Holland and it's been already more than two years me living in the States it's a beautiful country and I want to do much more uh, stuff things here and but you know I want to uh, have a kid in the future so I believe that I'm going to be a good cool mother and I will uh, rest my kids very good and after I will be done with fighting, I will be focused on, on being a mother and, and having a normal life. And uh, But of course, I will be around sport. I want to uh, help uh, kids and, uh, and teenagers uh, choose the right way uh, with no addiction to drugs or alcohol, but addiction to sport, uh, to become someone. And of course, I like TV. I like I do a bunch of fitness, media and sponsorship stuff back home. Uh, I did my I had my debut in the movie industry. The the movie the premiere is going to be February in Poland. So I'm looking forward to do uh, to do stuff like this. I want to have my cafeteria in the future. So. There is, I have a bunch of ideas, like I said. I'm pretty busy person outside the octagon, so uh, I think that I, I will figure out what to do in my life. <laughs> but of course, for an athlete, uh, professional athletes, it's very difficult to decide where, when, when to stop. Uh, but I hope I will be smart, smart enough to do it. Now, if you are successful on next Saturday, do you see yourself going back to 115 while you're still? I will be the belt? successful in next Saturday. 
I will win this belt in, in flyweight division and I will go for the for the belt. That's my next goal. Uh, now uh, Rose Namayunas will face Jessica Andrade. We still don't know when mm-hmm. uh, and where, but I'm looking forward to this fight and I will face the, the, the winner and anything and everything can happen in the fight. So it's 50-50. You know? We know how strong uh, is Jessica Andrade, but we cannot forget that Rose Namayunas is the 115er. Uh, 115 uh, division champion so uh, I'm looking forward I will go down and face the the, the champion in the strawy division next how tough was Jessica Andrade when you faced her? of course like everyone is talking about how tough is Jessica Andrade and how smooth and easy she smoked her last opponents but mm-hmm. people cannot forget how 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 good was this fight? It was one of the best fights in my uh, fighting career with Je- against Jessica Andrade, May 2017. I smoked Jessica Andrade for five rounds, and um, she's very strong. And like people, they 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 must have a, they must be clever, very smart. But I put lots of work uh, before the fight with Jessica Andrade. It was very hard camp. I remember. And lots of blood, sweat, and tears, but I did that, you know. So, uh, and I'm looking forward to face her again, maybe next year. <laughs> Do you have a memory of where you were in the in the training room before the fight, where you felt a little bit of fear or doubt creep in your mind? You know, only stupid people don't feel fear. But I'm like, what do you mean, like doubt with the mind? Like, well, have you ever? Has there ever been a time where you thought? Wow, this this moment might be too big for me. Every moment is big. Like every fight is a challenge. Every opponent, is, like every training, and believe me, I, put, I I give everything I have. I'm very emotional, emotional during the camp because of the work I put in. You know, I give everything I have, and at the end, I like to be banged up. I like to be down because uh, then I can answer to myself that girl, you 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 can feel like this. Uh, uh, and, but you did everything. You did your best. You you cannot like uh, with no excuses. You you did your best and 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 you did everything you could. And 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 this is what what I always wanna hear uh, from myself at the end of the camp. Doesn't matter what I wanna hear this and give a, 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 a anything I have, a, a, anything I could put, I do that. A good Yoana interview gets me fired up because there's intensity. She's fun. She's one of the best they have. She takes interviews seriously, dude. This is a good good chat right here. Yeah, I was really surprised with how relaxed she was. To answer your question from before, this was her post-workout, and she was literally getting stretched out by her physical therapist while we were sitting there having this talk. And for her to be able to focus that much while having all of her muscles trying to relax after a tough day was pretty incredible, I thought. She was she was chill. She was cool, and look, we've ta- we've heard about her hard weight cut to one fifteen forever, and how she said, you know, I mean, let's not forget after the loss to Rose, she was all but in flyweight, and then Dana called, wanted her back down. She got the rematch. She lost it. She had talked for a while heading into those Rose fights about wanting to have kids, wanting to start the rest of her life, and that this weight cut maybe isn't even a healthy choice for her body. In that regard, hearing her talk about how much better this cut is to 125 and how it might end up lengthening her career, it was refreshing to hear. You know, you, you brought up the extreme weight cutting, how much more we have to watch. Calvillo just a week ago, like, 
uh, yeah, I want I want to see J I want to see what JJ looks at the very least. We'll talk about the elements of the Shevchenko matchup in a second, but I just want to see if this can revive her in the ways that it's done to certain people. Yeah, especially since we haven't seen her yet at 125 in UFC. She has fought at the weight before, like she mentioned. But the problem I still have is that in her head, she wants to go back to 115 to show or prove whatever that she can still do it and that she can still beat Rose or Jessica Andrade or whoever is the champion. She wants to – she just has that mindset because she is – a killer i mean she is one of the most dominant women fighters we've seen in ufc history she wants to go back and prove it that she still is the champion if she's able to win at 125 here against valentina that is the only scary thing to me because she sounds so much happier to be at this weight right now with how everything's gone she just sounds generally happy to be healthy not putting herself through just incredible pain to cut that additional 10 pounds. So that's my only concern. I think she's going to look so good at 125. I really had a hard time with my choice this week for predictions, but I think she's going to look like a better fighter than she did the last two times she fought against Rose. That's a wild card in this, certainly. And we'll get into that breakdown on that fight in a few minutes, but that is the wild card. Uh, we'll also get, get into how it's going to look against her and Shevchenko, but I like the talk about their history together, their Muay Thai fights going back a decade ago. You know, we know Valentina said, you know, the losses are affecting her. And, of course, I like Joanna's reaction to kind of be like, what? But she makes a strong point. It was 10 years ago. Not only was it 10 years ago, it was a different sport, A, and it was such an early time in that sport for Joanna. It's kind of like how Tisha Torres has all those wins early on in Invicta against, like, Rose Namajunas and all these people. But, like, Rose Namajunas is a much, much, much different fighter today than she was at pro fight number two, you know? So it really shows the that length and time. Did you get the feeling, though, since you were in person, that she was stunting at all? Or that literally she's just like, get get this talk out of here? No, I, I 100% believed her on that. Because I don't know if you could hear it in the audio, but she basically scoffed when I mentioned that the fight might be still affecting her from 10 years ago. So... I think that that was pretty genuine. I think she, you know, she came across and she, she even said it in the interview. She's an emotional person. So if you push the right buttons with her, she's going to get amped up. She's going to get mad. She's going to feel whatever. She was kind of laughing <laughs> when I mentioned that, that loss from 2006. So I really don't think that it's bothering her at all. I think that she is as mentally focused and prepared as she can be. And looking at a fight from 10 years ago would be frivolous at this point for her to even, even think about. I love the idea, though, of, of this history between them, how they can use it in the right video packages, although I haven't seen a ton of, like, promotion for this fight. It's very much under – I mean, this card really is very much under the radar from where my eyes have seen. Have you seen more than I have? Yeah, I mean, they're really pushing the Max Holloway-Brian Ortega fight a lot. I have not seen too much push for this fight, which is kind of surprising given that this is really their first true flightweight title fight that they're going to have on pay-per-view and the pro promotional engine is going towards the men and the 145 fight. But I mean, we talked about this before. I think the co-main and main event for this pay-per-view might be the best combination of the year. When you think That's about stylistic matchups and the top fighters being at the prime of their careers, that's very interesting. I, I love this card. I love these two fights. I mean, you know, the rest of this card is, is, is decent. 
Not spectacular, pretty decent. There's certainly some fights to like, but even if this was a crap card after these two, I'd still be the same fired up because these two fights are certainly so good. And, uh, you know, one thing we can get into is that this fight obviously offers the chance for Ioana to become the first two-division champion. That will probably change December 29th when we add the winner Oh, no, it can only change one way. What am I, an idiot? It's not like both titles are at stake. It could change that way if Nunez upsets Cyborg, of course. She's got this chance. It's not like I'm trying to pick favorites here. But if somebody's going to be the first female to win titles in two separate divisions, considering the run Joanna went on and then right before she was going to equal Rousey's title defense record, she loses to Rose. You know, just the fan in me in respecting her game and what she's done, I'd, I'd want her to have that opportunity. Yeah, same for me. I mean, and she even said when we when I asked her about it that there were some things going on in her camp before that first fight with Rose. She wasn't all there mentally because of all the different things that were going on. So she probably wasn't as prepared as she would have been in a normal fight for that. Probably, like you said, because of circumstances with the Rousey stuff looming over her, trying to become the most successful champion in UFC history, uh, women's history. So, yeah, I mean, for her to go out and be able to put on a show – this week and win the flyweight title you can't write a better story than that that is that that'd be fantastic and i don't think we can um underplay the idea that when stardom comes and the demands pick up you have to not like the people that are able to hold it together as you're becoming either a crossover star or somebody being pop propped up to try to become one and certainly there was that there was a period where they were trying to make you on the next rousey right they were trying to prop her up then suddenly you have more media demands i mean we look back at how Ronda's career fell apart. I mean, that home fight week, she was all over the place mentally. Why wouldn't she be, by the way? They rushed that fight in. She wanted to sneak it in in, in her schedule that year. She's got all these acting things, all these potential things on the side. You're doing crossover media at all these, you know, national shows. I mean, you're really pulling away from what your basis is, which is your 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 training camp, which is the amount of days and mental preparation you put in, and you know yourself, and you know the steps you have to take to be properly prepared. I mean, it goes back to Connor saying no ahead of UFC 200 about leaving camp in Iceland and flying to Vegas for a couple of days, and about how after the loss to Habib this time, he says, next training camp, man, I'm just going in a bubble. I'm just going in a cocoon again. Like, I have to go back to the bases, basics, and in the, in, in, in touch all the bases. And it makes a lot of sense about when this stuff becomes an attraction. And it's natural for the UFC to try to add to your detraction because they want <laughs> distraction. They want you to become a big thing that I think if I remember back in interviewing her ahead of that Rose fight, there was a higher level of cockiness and arrogance to her. You know what I mean? It was almost like she was preparing for that crossover into more sponsorships and stuff. So you wonder the, the, the toll that takes on you, right? Definitely. And I think that it helps as much as we're talking about now how they're not really promoting this fight or it doesn't feel like it's as big a part of the promotion as they're, they're putting out with Max and, and Brian. I think that helps her because now there's not as much media obligation now. She's, She's able to still – she's talking to the media, but it's not as demanding on her. There's not as many requests coming in. She's able to just kind of focus on what she needs to get done. And, and again, it helps because she's not cutting weight. She's not cutting 100 or 100% of whatever she needed to do before. She's able to just live at whatever her weight is at 125 and be able to handle it from there. So there's no – her body should be in great shape for this fight given all of that and – yeah, I, I'm I'm happy that this is actually going to happen. I 
again, every week for UFC pay-per-views, you and I knock on wood on Thursday because we never know what Friday is going to bring <laughs> us when the weigh-ins come. But, yeah, I'm just glad that this fight's actually happening and that Saraja Eubanks didn't ruin it. Wow. Sajara's coming for you. She's coming <laughs> for you with that kind of talk. How dare you? How dare you? Hey, we got Nina Ansarov. Yes. The fiance of UFC women's bantamweight champion Amanda Nunez, but also a fun fighter in herself who was on a nice winning streak here entering Saturday. Wise man sat down with her. Here it comes, brother. The UFC strawweight. Enjoy. So how has uh, everything been going? You're now on a two-fight win streak. Three. Three. I'm sorry. Three. Hopefully four now. Four. Going for four. <laughs> um, what's been what's led to this turnaround for you, um, being able to be more successful in there? You know, I kind of took the pressure off of what fighting was. You know, people get so caught up in I have to win, I have to do this, and I have to get the belt, and kind of just took it for what it was. Like if I have a fight coming up, I'm not going to stress about it. I'm going to whatever happens happens. You know, I didn't put pressure on myself to win anymore to train a certain way or to do certain things you know I just kind of took it as you know this was a hobby it started as a hobby and I continued it as a hobby and and things just started getting easier for me so that's how you got into the sport was just you saw it you got interested well I started kickboxing when I was six um, and then I took time off started playing like very competitive soccer and then I got in a motorcycle accident and got injured so the way the soccer program works is once you miss the season you're out for the season so I was out for the season um, and then to get back on, I would have gone through all this rehab. So I kind of like stopped playing soccer and I knew that kickboxing kept me in shape. So after the accident, I gained some weight from being injured and I was like, Oh, I'll just go do an amateur, like those classes. And I just Googled an American top team was came up and I, I had no idea. It was like one of the best gyms in the world or anything like that. It just offered the classes and the times that I could do it. Cause I was working full time and I came in a couple nights, uh, Laborio, saw me sparring like in one of the amateur classes and like oh I want you to come check out the pro training in the morning and I was like um I don't like I work you know <laughs> so like I worked on my job I'm like oh, I just want to go to see what it is I fell in love took my first fight a couple months later and luckily my job at the time worked with me that I could come in super early leave train for two hours come back to work and then leave again and go so I started working from home some hours and then I ended up putting enough money on the side to quit my job and give myself two years and see where it went and it, and it went. <laughs> so you don't, do you think that you would have the kind of itch that a lot of pro boxers do where they get to the end of their careers and they're kind of still just hanging on and they just want to keep going for that high and that adrenaline rush that they get from entering the, the, the ring? Do you feel like that's going to be how your career is? Not going to do that. <laughs> um, you know, I, I know I'm, I'm a realist. I know how the sport works. I know the politics involved. If I don't have a run at a title shot, I'm not going to sit here and take brain damage for things that I could make money doing other things with my life, you know? So it's not something for me that's like, I have to do this. I was born to do this. Like, yeah, maybe I was born to fight, but I'm not, I wasn't born to be stupid. You know, there's a lot of other things that are out there. There's opportunities within the sport where I don't have to fight. You see those fighters that have been like knocked out their last five fights and they're still like, no, I'm still in it. You know, I'm not going to be that fighter. I have other things going for me. You know, I do want a family in the future and I'm not going to risk that by the adrenaline of a fight. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, What's it like having Amanda here with you as a training partner and as like 
just like a mentor almost or a friend to be able to communicate with about different techniques and everything what's that like for you like having a man around is probably what has me still here doing this sport you know like there was times actually before I got called by the UFC where I told her like I want to retire you know like I want to go work in banking and accounting again and you know just have a steady paycheck and a normal life you know I'll support you and I'll sit and tra- come to the gym with you so financially whatever you need I'll be there for you but you know like these small promotions making two thousand dollars a fight and going through it wasn't worth it for me so then I told her and she's like you know g- give it a little time see what happens and then like three weeks later I got called by the UFC and from there it was just like it took off. I was like, okay, now there's an opportunity. You know, with, in this sport, without an opportunity, there's not really much you can do. Yeah. So with that and her being there to continue push me, if I don't feel like going to the gym that day, but she's going, I got to be like, crap, well, I got to go. I'm going to look, you know, like we're both athletes. So, like, we're very competitive with each other, and it's it's a good thing. Yeah. So what's the... What's it like for you now? You're at 115, and now we've started to see more divisions being added to the UFC. Do you think that that's helping to avoid these weight-cutting scenarios? Because we saw on Friday, um, Cynthia Calvillo, she almost looked like she was going to pass out trying to get onto the scale. Do you think that we can avoid these kind of situations now that there is an extra weight class? I think so, but, you know, some athletes are always going to want to get the edge. I could speak on myself. I felt what Cynthia looked like before. You know, I just... I kept I kept my face. I had a really good poker face on that that day, but I I felt weight cuts where like I had to get everything I could just to walk to step on the scale because I was coming from a 25 what fighting at 25 they didn't have my weight class. So, I did go to 15 and now I'm feeling strong at 15, but before I got this last fight offer, there were talks of me going to 25, but the opportunity to fight a number three opponent at 15 yeah. seemed more desirable than maybe a number 15 or non-ranked 125-er. So, you know, you kind of go where the opportunity is, and, and it's hard to say that people aren't going to cut weight unless they do a same-day weigh-in or right before you do it. As long as you have 24 hours to do what you need to do to make weight and be as big as you can the next day, anyone's going to take that edge. You don't think, I mean, to me it just seems like almost a nutrition thing where you're just not even seeming to notice it until the week of when you go, oh crap, I got to cut 20 pounds this week, you know? Yeah, I think that's a lot of misplanning because I have my body down to a science. I know what I can do and I know what I can't do. Um, I write down everything I eat. I know what weight I am this time three weeks out, what I was last time three weeks out, what I was my first fight three weeks out. So I feel like if you if you work with it right and you're noticing it, and some people have been like, oh, I've been like, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, I could get it. Or, like, it's it's just inconsistency is what it is. I don't think if you've made it before, you can make it again. But if you're changing something like lifting heavier weights and gaining more muscle, you need to take that into consideration. I don't think a lot of people are taking in consideration what they're gaining and depleting in their body throughout that camp. And that's why some people are missing weight. Yeah. Um, do you have a funny memory or any, like, thoughts of like hey this was a fun fight for me where I realized I had the edge over my opponent or you realized oh shit I'm in trouble here you know what it's almost every fight where I feel something different you know my last fight uh, I went in and I really injured my shoulder bad in the first round and and I got taken down like within the first two minutes and I'm like crap this was not the game plan and it's just like I've never fought with an injury this bad. I know how to get out of this position, but I know I can't turn my arm that way or it's going to really rip. 
And that puts you in a situation where you're like, this is something new. This is, and then it, it challenges you to be like, can I beat her with one arm? <laughs> and then, and then you do, and then you're like, well, I beat her with one arm. I wonder what I can do now with two arms. Or like, I had a really horrible weight cut. I thought I was going to die last night, but here I am having an out of body experience, but I got one punch in me. Or I got, every fight is different. It puts you in a, uh, you really get to know something about yourself when you, when you fight. You know, I've been in other situations. But there's nothing like being locked in a cage and someone trying to rip your head off where you really find out who you are. <laughs> Is there anything to avoid these kinds of injuries before you get into the octagon? Yeah, I mean, there's so much you can do. Like, I'm more careful now with overtraining. I don't try to overtrain my body. If my body's tired, I listen to it. I don't come in with, like, oh, this hurts a little bit. Let me pull everything out of purport. Like, I've done that before, you know. And it literally, you could tell someone what to do in this sport. You could tell them what you've passed through. They don't listen. Every every fighter's hard-headed. You're going to tell them, no, you need a rest. But in their head, they're like, if I rest, my opponent's not resting. Or right. if I, And it, everybody's different. Honestly, I could tell one person, don't drink alcohol for eight weeks, and then I've had a beer before a fight and knock someone out. So it's, like, it's hard to say like what you're supposed to do, what's right, and what's wrong. At this point, I don't look at it like that anymore. I'm just going to go fight. I'm going to make sure I'm in good shape, mm-hmm. and I'm going to fight. Once you start getting all this stuff in your head is where – it starts to become a mind thing and, and and a lot of fighters have that problem they're monsters in the gym they get in the cage and they don't know what to do it's because they built themselves so much like, I did this right I did this right I did this right crap I'm not supposed to be feeling like this right now and it, it it's worse for them they start to break down in the cage because they didn't prepare for that so I feel like it, you know like everyone needs to take it as it is you, it's hard to tell a fighter what they're supposed to do honestly it's the hardest person to speak to about it <laughs> definitely what do you think the state of the strawweight division is right now? Since Rose has kind of been out of action since April, there's still kind of a hole at the top right now, it seems like. See, I feel like I thought Andrade was going to go for that, for like that, but I'm not sure if if she's in. Or I don't know where why it's frozen right now for yeah. that, that title fight. That I felt like that should have been a title fight. And I know Tatiana's coming off a few wins, and she's, you know, looks great her last fight. Um, I feel like this fight against Claudia, you know, if I make a statement, I... I could very well be thrown into that title mix. I just feel like it's really open right now because there's no set thing of what's going to... Like, I haven't even heard talks of Andrade and Rose fighting. So yeah. I don't know why that's been paused for a little bit. I'm not sure what's going on there, but... I think, I think um, Rose had a shoulder injury. Maybe that that's, was, that's that was what it was. In the year. And I'm guessing Andrade doesn't want to take a risky fight if she feels like she's next for the belt. You know, yeah. they could match her up with Tatiana and then get that a contender fight or... You know, me, me and Claudia very well could be the next contender fight. You know, you never know. This sport is so political. You think you're there or you think you're not even close and you get the call. You just, it happens, you know. I mean, it happened with, for Colby. Yeah. He was supposed to, he was going to fight Woodley and then uh-huh. they, they grabbed Darren Till out. Yeah, so. so like it happens all the time. Amanda, when she, when she fought Valentina, it was a decision win. And then she got to call the fight for the belt. So it was like, you you, you know, you, you, you think you're supposed to knock someone on the first round and be like, I'm here for the belt. But you never know. You never know who's on the bench, what they know that we don't know. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be ready for it. And you can't say no. That's the thing. Yeah, definitely. So what about Claudia now? Um, what's the mindset going into this fight? What do you need to do differently to make yourself more successful? You know, I feel like this fight's going to be a lot like my last fight. You know, Claudia's known for her aggressive ground game and pushing against the cage. You know, her boxing has gotten better, but, you know, I, I'm very good on my feet. I have really good takedown defense, and I'm actually very knowledgeable of the ground. So 
I feel like as long as I'm in really good shape and I stick to my game plan, I'm, I'm going to win this fight. You know, I don't have any doubts about what if she does this, this. Like, I feel like I'm ready for anything she's going to show me. Um, and this is going to be the fight that's going to change my career. All right. Nina Ansarov. I didn't even realize she had put together a nice little run there after starting her UFC career with back-to-back wins. I like the real talk she gave you in terms of her, you know, future plans and longevity. Yeah. I mean, that was so refreshing that she's not going to be one of these people that just hangs around looking for extra paychecks because she is a really smart person. And you get that from her just in the few minutes that you talk with her because she's not here to do this. This is like she said, this is a hobby. Like she's out here just to do this, to have fun. And for her to have that kind of mental capacity where, I don't need this for the paycheck. I'm doing this just because I enjoy it. That's That speaks volumes as to what kind of fighter she is. I'm interested in this fight, of course, against uh, Claudia for for what it means. But it was, it was cool to hear her say that uh, what she prioritizes in life and understanding where you are in the rankings and, and where you are, I guess, on the inside, too. How much you live or die for this, how much heart you have. You know, it's something that Joanna talked about with you at length as well, that it's sort of like so many fighters only know their identity through being a fighter. And when they, you know, you want to put it bluntly, when they suffer long-term injuries and they're out of the game, they fall into addictions because they don't have anything else in their life to cling to. So it's it's good to see people more well-rounded. It's interesting to hear that refreshingness. But we got to get into UFC 231 Toronto. Saturday sneaky little card here stuffed in in between Connor's return UFC 230 and that loaded 232 card on New Year's weekend Scotia Bank Arena and it starts with a featherweight championship we've been waiting for for a while we thought we were going to see it at 226 no bro not seeing it then you're going to see it Saturday or will you oh oh or will you I didn't jinx it you did Max Holloway defending his title against Brian Ortega the jinx we got to put off the top. I mean, Ortega's like, I'm defending that title no matter what on Saturday against somebody. We don't want to put anything on Max, but he's been through a lot. You remember Wise was supposed to fight Habib last minute at 223 in April. Got pulled out of this 226 for medical conditions they still can't explain. That's got to be part of the storyline, Wise. You can't avoid it. So did you see what Brett Akamoto tweeted earlier? Apparently, Max is investigating because he thinks that somebody might have slipped something into his food or drink wow. that have broken him mentally. I, I don't even understand. But, yeah, he's thinking that his suspicion is that somebody foul play involved that made him slur his speech. <laughs> I don't understand how that would be possible because he went to the doctor <laughs> Did After say, all like, of that, Vegas is sketchy or something. I think was his comment, something like to that regard. Like you never know. I mean, it's interesting. It's an interesting. Uh, I mean, it's better than a, a, a dick pill reasoning, right? But at this, it's just uh, I don't know. Like, yeah, I, just get, just make the fight happen. Just please don't, just don't let anything happen to these guys. I don't know, put man. them in bubble wrap. Just, just put them in a corner. Just let them sit there for the next six days and get us to the fight. Look on paper, it's more. One of the better fights of the whole year. Like a hundred percent. Max Holloway on fire. That winning streak, winning the title, rolling through people. Brian Ortega unbeaten in the, in, in general, not just the UFC. 
and really been running through people. Style-wise, it's it's incredible. I guess I have to just get over the fear that something really bad physically happened to Max, and this should be a larger warning sign. And on Saturday, we're going to see maybe the end of Prime Max, but I don't know if I can get past that wise. There's feelings deep inside of me that were surprised that they ended up booking this so quickly when in July it was like, is he ever going to fight again? Is he going to be okay? Should they step in and for fears of his life? I know now Max is saying it wasn't a concussion like originally thought, but something happened that they don't know. You hope for the best for Max. Such an honest guy, honest fighter, great interview. One of the better ambassadors for the sport with his style and his respect for it. And a guy, by the way, who I think has more marketing potential than he's shown and the UFC has tried with him because he's a pretty good trash talker and, he, and he's, he's a unique dude. But you're running into one of the hottest fighters in Brian Ortega, a guy who doesn't panic, a guy who's very, very good in the disciplines that he fights in. This is one of those fights, man. It's just you just can't wait to see what it looks like. This is as close as you're going to get to two prime fighters, young fighters in the primes of their career actually fighting. This is the kind of fight that we want to see in boxing right now, right? This is the this is like Crawford Spence in MMA. Jared Heard, Jamel Charlo, bring it. Bring it. Right. Like this is us getting the fights that we want to see where it's best versus best. And I yeah, I mean, I just don't know what to expect because Brian's Brian's wrestling and his jiu-jitsu is just so great. He just is so he's so patient with his decision making. And if Max leaves that opportunity like Frankie Edgar did, boy am I worried for Max's head because that could be more concussive problems that he may not want to agree with that are there, but it's gonna be worse if he gets clipped by one of those punches from Brian this week. You know, that's one thing that you know, you look at Ortega and you go, Well, you know, he's a submission specialist. He's incredible. He's the next generation of these, you know, one-dimensional simplify guys, but he's not. He's not a, you know, he he's he's really been rounding things out. I mean, from the, you know, the knee knockout against Clay Guida in 2016, multiple ways he can he can submit a guy, but then to come out and just destroy Edgar like that. And he's had stoppage wins by strikes in the past as well, but like it's not just the 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 technique and the flash with this guy. I've just seen a evolution in his confidence. And like I mentioned, that word patience, he's very calm in there. And he can go from zero to I just tapped you out really quick. Or as we saw against Frankie, I just knocked you the hell out. We're finding out that this guy's a pound for pounder wise, that he has that potential to make a leap into that top 10 really high with a win here. I think I'm so high on Ortega's stock right now that it wouldn't matter who he's in there against. I gotta see him lose first. He's one of those rare unbeaten guys where you're like, man, he's just slicing through people. This is like, this is butter, brother. This is amazing. I mean, compare him against what you see now in Khabib. Like, it's a similar style where he's got a lot of tools that he can beat you with and he's gonna put them out there if you decide to go and say, oh, I'm gonna prevent you from taking me down to the ground and getting a submission. Okay, well, I'm just gonna punch you in the face while you try to block my takedowns. So, my question for you is, if he beats Max and it's impressive, what does he have to do to get into that top 10, top 5 range currently or into the future for all time? Whoa, all th- hold, slow the roll on the all time here, okay? Because he's got solid wins, but 
until he beat Edgar, there wasn't any really plus plus wins. I mean, Swanson's a solid win. They're solid wins. Yes. Not a ton of sexy wins yet. All right. What's so, left for him at featherweight though, if he wins this fight? The, well, that that isn't somewhat of a problem that we're out of monster names there. Hey, I'd like if you we're talking about Jose Aldo earlier. Mm-hmm. Jose Aldo Ortega would be a heck of a fun fight. Do run that back. Get a get a big sexy name on your thing. But maybe to your point, long term. Unless the division reloads itself. No, there's not a ton of huge names on here. Dude, I'd like to see him as the ultimate spoiler against some of these lightweights. Which I see, if Ortega is the guy that we're projecting him to be the last 30 seconds of this podcast, imagine him against another quote unquote specialist like Habib. Are you kidding me? Oh, man, I'm so excited. Now you're getting me excited about these fights. I mean, come I... on. Come on, bro. Get fired the heck up. No apologies. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. That's what I'm talking about. Get fired up for T-City. It's time. It's his time. It's our time. Down there, it's your time. But (laughs) if Max wins, then what do you say for Max's side? This would be a heck of a weird year for Max if he wins. I mean, look, Max is certainly right in the the middle of that pound-for-pound top ten. Max has been on some hell of a run. This would be big, dude. This would be big. I don't think either of these guys need any conversation of where they are or are going all the time at this point, but, I mean, this would be big. Ortega's right on the edge of that top ten if he's not in. I think he was in mine at certain points, maybe at number ten or, or lingering right around there, but he's shown you a skill set to be that good. Look, Max has got questions. I mean, let's get into the actual preview of what this looks like right now. Why is I can't get past it? I can't get past the turmoil that Max has been through. He's talked today even on Ariel's show about the depression he's went through. All that turmoil, all the questions about his physical makeup in terms of having to pull out of these fights. I don't know if you can just put that together, channel out everything else, and be a thousand percent again. I have fear about what happened in July. I see a, a Brian Ortega finish and a, and a win here. It's not going to be overwhelmingly dominant. Max is going to fight you. This is going to be a fun fight for as long as it goes. But Ortega's going to finish him, bro. What round you got it? I got it early fourth. Early fourth. So my question to you then becomes, is this going to be a fight of the year contender? Because you're saying Max is going to give it everything he's got. Yes. Max does. Max is going to put that bravado out there and say, come get some, Brian. Come get some before you finish me. I'm not going out like that. I think that Max, for as much of the problems as you're talking about, and it's there. It's scary. We don't know what's going on in his head. I think that he is good enough that he, in his brain, thinks that he can stuff everything that Ortega brings to the table. I think that Max goes out there with the mindset similar to Connor against Khabib, where his game plan is going to be, don't let this guy get me to the ground, because if he gets me to the ground, I'm in trouble. I think that Max is able to stuff a few of those takedowns early, but Brian is going to land a few of them, and then it's going to get a little hairy. But I think if he can keep this fight standing long enough, I think that Max does enough to win a close split decision. I don't see a finish here. I actually see this, BC as a possible new rivalry in featherweight for what is as much as we're talking about what's next if for either of these guys, if they win, 
how they might they're both t- kind of talking about going to lightweight maybe or or moving up even more. I think this is exactly what UFC needs in featherweight right now for these two to go put on a fantastic show on Saturday, run it back in a rematch wow. for from a from a close decision and then we go from there and see what's there because I think a trilogy would be amazing. Wow, this guy's jumping from one to three, but I love it. I love the idea. Look, if you're telling me right now Max Holloway will be the same guy from the Aldo fights, we very well might see a fight of the year contender fight that goes the distance. You're very well on point there, and I certainly don't like projecting anything on Max, that, that he'll be damaged goods to a certain degree. I just like Ortega better. I can certainly see that scenario playing out. If we all win... If the fans win, it's going to be a great fight. And then if we can get the bonus of rematches, you're right, because this is a thin-ish division. There's not somebody knocking on that door that deserves it so much. Maybe we'll see that go that way. Can't wait for this fight. Yeah, what do you got? To note, though, if something does happen, Renato Moicano is going to be the quote-unquote standby fighter to take to step in. So in that case... I am taking beat, uh, Brian Ortega to beat Renato Moicano, and I am taking Max Holloway to beat Renato Moicano, <laughs> if that does come to that, and just I'm, so that it's out there. And I'm taking the pay-per-view buys to plummet. Thank you very much. Colmain is my favorite fight of the night. I love me some Valentina Shevchenko. She was so good at Bantamweight. I thought she beat Amanda that second fight. I mean, she's put together some really good wins. I mean, dominating Juliana Pena. Out counterpunching Holly Holm. I mean, she's a player wise who really just hit some rough luck there with Nunez being just a little bit better than her at the very top of that division. Her at 125. Wow. If you told me, BC, I can predict the future. She's going to run roughshod through your girl, Yoana Champion. I'd have to say, you know what? You know what, bro? I'm not surprised, motherfucker. I would have to say that because I believe in Valentina that much. I want this fight to be super competitive. I got fears for Yuana at this weight. For everything we said about, well, now she doesn't have to cut as much. Now she'll be more comfortable. I, I hate to put size as the ending thing that you can't get over in a prediction because, look, we this sport didn't have weight classes to begin with. Size is really not the thing in this, okay? We know that. But, man, she – Valentina – was a strong and stocky bantamweight. Still kind of that way at this weight class. Joanna always seemed to me as a not the strongest, not the strongest strongweight. She did it with great technique and amazing toughness. I think the jury's going to be out here. If Valentina comes in and lands hard counter shots from the outside and maybe takes her down, this is a great fight. But I got those fears. That if it's going to be one-sided, it's certainly going to be in Valentina's favor. And I don't necessarily want to see Joanna lose three out of four and have an end run to her career like this. I know I just projected a lot. Projected a lot of future gloom and doom there. Joanna comes to fight. We know that. But this is a tough-ass fight-wise that I'm not sure everybody in MMA is realizing. Yeah, I mean, while I agree with most of what you're saying... I do think that game planning is going to play a lot bigger factor in this than we're thinking because Joanna and Amanda are at the same training camp up here at ATT. There's a lot of sharing of secrets going on, I'm assuming. They probably have an idea of how to game plan around Valentina's uh, strengths. And I think, because we talked about this before when this fight was made, I think Joanna is going to be able to keep the distance. I just don't see her 
allowing Valentina to get the range, to get the takedown range, to to push that fight to where she wants it. I think Joanna's able, because of how fast she is, and to go off of what you're saying by that the size difference, I think that actually helps Joanna here because she's going to be able to move better around the octagon. She's going to be able to avoid those shots. She's going to be able to stay out of range. I just don't see how Joanna finishes the fight. That's my problem. Because Joanna, for as great as she was at strawweight as a champion, she did have problems finishing people. She became she was, GSP. Yeah. And it, but she does, like she said in our interview though, she loves to fight. She loves to end a fight looking like she was in a fight. Like, I love a fighter who feels that way because she's going to give you everything she's got. She doesn't want to be one of those people who points you to death, but if she has to, that's how she wins her fight. So I think that's the way that she's going to win this. She can win this fight. I'm not picking her, but I think Joanna can win this fight by staying out of the range, picking her spots, landing well, because she does, for all that talk, she does have very precise striking. And she will be able to. She'll do the. She'll do the Connor against Nate thing in the second fight. That, that that's a good blueprint. She's gonna have to box, and she's gonna have to be quick, and take away the leg. And she'll take away the leg. She'll she'll just leg kick Valentina to death until she can't put weight on it. That's gonna be how she has to win this fight. And certainly, I'm not doubting Joanna's toughness, her stamina. I mean, look that Claudia rematch. I still give Joanna so much, <laughs> so much. I mean, you know, she loses the first few rounds on her back, but she just out wanted and out gutted. I mean, the, the, the Carolina fight at 205, she just out gutted a hungry opponent who was walking her down with big shots, just seemed to want it that much more. Problem is Valentina Shevchenko has so much experience going deep into fights and getting better as the fight goes on. It's like she needs a, it's like she's Greg the Hammer Valentine in WWF. It's like she needs 20 minutes to get warmed up or something. And then she just looks so good late. She came on late against Nunes in that first fight, Nunez, and looked really good. Did her best work late against Holm. She's such a good counter puncher. Short and stocky and just sort of knows, you know, as much as Joanna knows distance, Valentina knows how to close it. I just think she's can hand land the heavier punches where maybe they'll trade evenly early or trade evenly in their own ways. Joanna by volume, Shevchenko by power. But I'm just seeing a scenario here late where Shevchenko can bring it to the ground and finish her. You heard it right here, bro. Fourth round stoppage. Valentina Shevchenko. You're all about the fourth round. Yeah, that's, that's every, just like the DMs. It goes down in the fourth round. Everybody knows that, right? Yeah, I. I just have a tough time seeing a finish here unless she catches Joanna the same way that Rose did in that first fight. And even then Rose or Joanna wasn't out. She just verbally, she verbally tapped, right? Where she said, no more, no more. I think this is a decision. I, I agree with you. I do think Valentina is the winner here, but for all that, I do think Joanna gives you a little bit more than what many people are probably projecting at this point. The, the line on this fight is like minus 350 for Valentina to plus 260 for Joanna. I think it's closer than what that line says it is. I think it's a decision, a unanimous decision for Valentina, though. I did like when we were talking about the main event. You're like, hey, maybe we'll get three awesome fights out of it. Hey, this rivalry, maybe we'll get three awesome fights out of it, and I'd be completely down with it because they have history going back far. Wow. This and we don't have anything else at flyweight. <laughs> this flyweight division, which has no identity, no depth for the most part, 
Let, let, let's have some fun here. Shout out to Nico Montano for giving up the belt. Shout out to Jermaine Durandamy for giving up the other one. And by giving up, I mean wrongfully stripped. All right, there you go. Fun fight there. But as you look at the rest of this card quickly, we got to get it. Well, we went long today. We're going long. Going long here today. Cowboy Oliveira, Gunnar Nelson. We're going to see bombs? Oh, yeah. I, Your boy Gunnar Nelson's not winning this fight. Wow. Wow. He's not winning this fight. Um, it's never my boy. So for, let's let's chill on that. But yeah, I think I'm with you on that. With he you on said that. On, uh, he was on Ariel's show today, and he said that he was not with SBG at all this camp. He's coming off a torn meniscus, so he wasn't even able to be in Connor's corner for the 229 fight. There's a lot going on with Gunner right now that does not sound positive. I think Alex oh, Cowboy is going to take this fight pretty handily. Should I be fired up about featherweight Akeem Duodu? Dawodu? No. I don't think so. I like I like Kyle Bakniak a lot better. I'll tell you what, Jimmy Manny was um his expiration date's coming. Thirty eight, he's already taken some tough losses, swings big, goes goes bigger, goes home. This could be could be a Tiago Santos special right here. Is Tiago Santos a spring chicken to you? He's not very young. I, I mean I'm currently questioning why this fight is on the main card, but you know, he's thirty four, <laughs> he's coming off the stoppage of Eric Anders. I mean he's He's outside of that David Branch loss. He's put together some things, including a win over Anthony Smith. I like the three fights that are on the prelims more than this fight, man. Yeah. I uh, get this fight out of get my it life. Out of here. All right, I like the prelim main event a lot. It's our girl Nina Ansarov, who you talk to, but let's be honest, very tough matchup for her against Claudia Gadeja, who is looking to get back into title contention or title shot, really at, at Bantam. I'm sorry, at strawweight right now. And when you look back outside of that fight of the year contender loss to Jessica Andrade, that close decision, she's looked pretty darn good since that second Ioana loss and submitted Carolina. And she's coming off that split decision over Carla Esparza where maybe that just kills my whole argument because she didn't look like a world beater in that fight. So this is as tough of a fight as I'm going to see Nina answer off in. I mean, this is, this might give her a reason not to fight again. Yeah, but at the same time, I feel like Claudia at this point is past her prime, no? I mean, she's still only 28. I, I think she's got the Henneberau disease. Wow, wow. So as <laughs> as Faber told us on the show, you mean the USADA disease? <laughs> no, not that. I'm not going that far. But I'm just saying, like, Claudia, she was great. She was. And she still wins fights, but it's not f as, like, fun and physically dominating anymore. Well, I guess at this point, it's a great test to see if Nina Ansarov on a three-fight win streak is for real, can be for real, and whether we can put stock in recent wins over Angela Hill, Randa Marcos, or whether that's just sort of stay busy, serve you up to somebody who can need one. I like the fight, though, because women's straw weights deliver every single time-wise. Not, not sometimes, not once in a while, every single time. Definitely. And to go off of that... Jessica I is also on the prelims. Yeah, she's a, she's a flyweight now against uh, Caitlin Chukajin. Yes, and I actually like that fight a lot more. Um, I think both of those – I can't believe they actually have rankings now for flyweight. This is like <laughs> shocking to me. But I think both of them are people that could eventually make their way into the title picture for as weird as that is to say for women's flyweight already. Um, Jessica I is not a bad fighter. She's still got something there, but – Caitlin Chuchigan is also one of those top women that she probably was in in between weight classes before. Now she's at a more natural weight at 125. If she puts on a good show, she might be like one of the next in line. 
Yeah, I mean, I bounce it back from that stretch of five losses and six fights that ends most careers. But she's out of bantamweight, back at flyweight. Two-fight win streak, good opportunity for her to get back in there. A couple other bangers on this card. Nobody that's really... I mean, look, there's going to be fireworks in Eric Anders, Elias, Theodore. I mean, that's going to be fantastic. Yeah, boy, Eric Anders. Yeah, damn right. I'll, I'll watch that, but uh, you know, no one's no one's really moving the needle for me. We got to get out of this show. Wise, you got anything we should look out for? Anything else? Nope. This could be a good damn card, all right? I'm very excited. I very feel. I'm, I'm very feel. Uh, follow us on social media at B Campbell CBS at In This Corner CBS. At the wise man, what are you, where are you at on Twitter? <laughs> at Brandon Wise65. Oh yeah. Check out our boxing show this week. All things Wilder, Fury, and then some. Thank you for joining us. Brandon Wise, do you have two words for the people? We out? Yeah, yeah, that's it. You nailed it. We are. We are out.